Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to The Real Nerds Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy, at Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there will be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. Do you like your stories told through pictures? Then you can also follow us at Real Nerds on Instagram. You can also call us, 720-6Nerds5. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Here we go again, it's our film explosion. The movie countdown of real devotion. It could get long, so bring your ibuprofen. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. What's got the best acting? What's got the best direction? The cream of the crop, here's our selection. From comedy to drama, even exploitation. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion! Film explosion! This is Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast at Denver Pop Culture Con 2021, hopefully, and beyond. I am Ryan. In the same room with me is... Zach. And... Brad. And over the interwebs from New York is Henry. Hello. In... Littleton-ish, Colorado, James. Hey. And Corinne, you're in Lakewood, Golden-ish area? Golden, yeah. Golden, all right. So uh, every week we see a new movie and podcast our experience of the world, except this week we're going back 10 years on a on a light cycle. Is that what they're called in Tron? Are they called yeah. Tron cycles? Yeah, light cycle. Light cycle? Look at you. You haven't even seen it. Cycle. I have seen it. <laughs> oh. The Tron cycle is how long it takes to get a Tron movie made. Yeah, no, I saw it um, maybe a year ago. My, I, I had it, and I don't know why I kept not watching it. But then my wife said she wanted to watch it, which I thought was really weird because my wife doesn't really watch movies like that. So we did. But we're going to talk about our 10 favorite films from 2010. We each have compiled a list of our 10 favorite films, and we will count them down. Brad, once again, has supplied us with a Blu-ray that has the trailers. So what's going to happen is... We're going to say, introduce a little bit about our films, and then we're going to play the trailer, and then we'll uh, tell everybody what our film is, give a little reason why it's on our list, and then remind everybody what our film is, because um, some feedback we've gotten from our listeners is they forget what films we're talking about, because someone like Zach's going to put some goofy-ass film on it, someone like Henry's going to have some fucking French film on it. And that's why and, Werner Herzog should then be nominated Corinne's going to have some... Anime on there, and everyone's gonna be like, "What the fuck is, are these things?" And it's gonna have some weird music where not, nothing is said, or James is gonna put a movie on there he's never seen called Harlequin, and you know, you never know what's gonna happen <laughs> on film explosions. But I actually have a feeling that everybody has seen these films because if you go back in time, ten years when Zach was two, when Henry was just whoa, a twinkle whoa, in his dad's whoa, eye, hold on a minute. and Corinne was just finishing her kindergarten. <laughs> if you mean by two, you mean second year in film school. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is actually the second go around for this year for three of us. Yeah. So uh, Brad, James, and I, uh, before we were real nerds, we used to do Nebcast. 
and we did our favorite films from 2010, which I don't remember at all. So, um, yeah, so these, these are going to be a different order. Maybe films that weren't on there have made it on this list because as you get older, times change. I've changed. Perspectives change. Perspectives change. The world has changed. Yeah. And you, too, can make a change instead of uh, worrying about our silly list. On November 3rd, go out and vote. 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 And, vote. Um, or before then. Yeah, or before then. In Colorado, we're lucky. We have mail-in ballots, so you can drop off your ballot whenever you want. Vote. Um, Are you voting yet? I, I have already dropped off my ballot. Brad, have you dropped off yours? I did uh, yesterday. Nice. Me, too. I dropped mine off about a week ago. Nice. Get out there and vote. Nice. Henry, uh, is New York um, mail-in ballots as well? Oh, I'm voting in Colorado. Sweet, so you're doing an absentee <laughs> ballot. <laughs> New York doesn't, so... Sweet. But you're doing an absentee ballot, or are you going to come back in person and vote? I'm going back in person. I, I uh, like, fly in for, like, four hours and fly out. And so, like... <laughs> All right. Well, Corinne, you're going to start us off with some fucking bullshit movie. Well, um, yeah, my number 10, uh, it, you know, I, I really had fun with The Ringer this time. I remember going to see this in the theater with my dad and I had not heard anything about this movie. So I went in with really, well, I guess I didn't have any expectations because I didn't know what it was. So that's probably why I had a lot of fun with it, even though it's absolutely stupid. So here it is. One year ago, an elite commando unit was sent to prison for a crime they didn't commit. Men promptly escaped from a maximum security facility. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers for hire. This is beyond nuts, boss. It gets better. <laughs> now we're talking. You miss me? Because I miss you. a problem if no one else can help and if you can find them sucks to be you homie you look like you got a real bad attitude maybe you can hire i love it when a plan comes together <laughs> the a-team what the hell is that if you look out on the right-hand side of the aircraft, you'll notice that the right wing is on fire. But, yeah, it's a... It's not a very well... I don't know. It's just... It's weird, and it's stupid, but it's don't a lot of Don't talk bad about this movie. This movie is great. It's, uh, I I like the chemistry among the four actors. The guy they get to play B.A. Baracus does a great job. Uh, Obviously, Liam Neeson is great. And uh, I I don't know. I just, like, yeah, Charlton Copley does a great, I mean, everybody does a great job in this movie. So it it is what it is. It's just stupid, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, Yeah, what it is is there's a scene where they parachute a tank out of a plane and then they shoot at other fuckers from the tank and kill people and it's amazing and then they ripped it off in that Fast and Furious movie later and it wasn't as good. What? 
Could you imagine, like, <laughs> just living your normal day life, and then a tank round shoots through your house? <laughs> the fuck is that, Janine? <laughs> I guess it's normal life in the Middle East. <laughs> oh. oh, God. So, yeah, oh. my number 10 was A-Team. That's a good pick, Corinne. Oh, I'm next. Uh, so, Corinne, a lot like your number 10, my number 10 is a film my dad absolutely adores. And so much so that my dad uh, cries in the, uh, I, I guess it's the climax of this film. Um, and as I, my dad loved it so much, I started to really appreciate it. It's based on a true story. And my number 10 film is this. In frenzied excitement, he eats up the ground. He paws fiercely, rejoicing in his strength. And charges into the fray, afraid of nothing. When the trumpet sounds. Our father's farm has been losing money for years. Run a horse breeding operation. You need a certain touch. You're a housewife. I feel like I could make something work. Miss, this is a gentleman's club, miss. I need a good trainer just to get things stabilized. You need a Lucian Lauren. Dresses like Superfly. He's trying to retire. I'm tired of babysitting half-ton animals who are stubborn as their owners are. Any other questions? How much did you spend on that hat? How would you like to see a horse being born? Have you ever seen What? Colts stand up that fast. Well, Mr. Lauren, what do you think? I think he eats too much. He lays against the back of that starting gate like he's in the Caribbean. Secretariat is not afraid, and neither am I. Horse racing is unforgiving for housewives. It's like every other multi-million dollar gamble we housewives make every day. <laughs> All right, then. Let's show them what you're made of. We're out of time. We need six million dollars. We just lost a race that we could not afford to lose. You're guaranteeing that this horse is going to win the Triple Crown. Three races, three states, in just five weeks. Hasn't been done in 25 years. You're that stubborn. I'm that right. She scares me. Good. Hey, there's Mom. Now that you've gotten their attention, every owner, every trainer, every jockey out there is going to be trying to bring us down. This is about life being ahead of you, and you run at it. You're about to see something that you ain't never seen before. Uh, my number 10 film is Secretariat, based on the impossible true story about a horse that is widely regarded as the greatest racehorse of all time. In fact, it was on ESPN's top 100 athletes of all time, I think at number four. Um, Secretariat won the uh, Triple Crown um, by, I think it's 21 horse lengths, which is incredible. Mm -hmm. um, this, it stars Diane Lane as a woman named Penny, who is from Colorado, by the way. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, she is a horse owner that hires John Malkovich, who's trying to golf and retire. But guys, he's terrible at golf. He, he just wears these really ridiculous clothes. Um, but yeah, it's a really fun movie. Um, 
it's it's one that I've, I appreciate more because my dad loves it so much. And, uh, yeah, it's good, even though you know the ending, but it's still well-made and it's a good movie. It was a big seller in our theater when uh, when it came out. Like, yeah. That weekend was crowded. Yeah, it's, it, it's fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I don't – it's not the best sports movie, um, but it doesn't take away from the enjoyment of watching a, a horse – rise above all challenges and a woman make it in a man's world and which is real which is really sad is that's from the 70s yeah. <laughs> like, oh this is 50 years ago and women were still treated poorly yep um so yeah secretariat check it out on disney blu-ray or disney plus or disney plus you can stream it um brad <laughs> yeah Coming soon to DVD. Do you remember those like Disney um, DVD interstitials where it's that it's always the same? Coming soon to DVD, and it have like the little like shooting star riding the the sometimes the stuff. Sometimes yeah. Tinkerbell would pop up. Yeah, uh, Ryan, I still remember the one from the VHS. Oh yeah, it, it, coming that, soon to home video. <laughs> yeah. Coming soon to theaters. And remember when you wouldn't know a trailer was released until you watched it on your VHS disney clamshell you go oh my gosh they're releasing quack attack on dvd um oh my god fun and fancy free that must be the best one (laughs) now everything's online and instantly available Mm -hmm. there's no there's no mystique anymore anyways brad you have a number 10 film i do and it was actually the hardest one to rank uh because my list has changed significantly since we last did this year, and uh, do you think your tastes have gotten better or worse? Uh, probably just the same. <laughs> the same, <laughs> just different movies. I always find that like sometimes my movies change a little bit, but I always have like the same. I usually have one juvenile comedy in there, um, yeah. and like it superhero was, movies and stuff. It, it was mostly about rewatchability. When I yeah. looked at my old list, I was like, God, like I've watched this movie five, ten times since and yep. the one that made it higher on my list i haven't watched it all so huh. um this this uh, my number 10 probably should be kick-ass but i went with this instead a typical road trip weekend consists of partying hooking up and going wild but in 2010 four friends will discover a new level of awesome go i Look, 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 what are we going to do? You guys are terrible at quarters. Let's break into a school or uh, steal a cop car or something, huh? Do you have Ritalin? What? Guys, come look at this. You don't think it's a little weird, a bunch of guys just piling up in a big bathtub together? It's called male bonding, okay? Haven't you even seen Wild Hogs? Watch out, here I come. What the hell happened last night? Is there some kind of retro thing going on this weekend? There's something going on in here. Dude is rocking a cassette player. Leg warmers. I'm sure there's a good explanation for all this. Jerry, girl! Excuse me, miss. What color is Michael Jackson? Black. Manifest 86! I don't understand how we back in time! I'm so scared. Must be some kind of... Hot tub time machine. 
this March. This is a very special model that you have here. You know exactly what's going on here, don't you, old man? <laughs> Come on, it's the 80s. Let's do what we want. Free love. Hey, let's get this party started. Mom? Forget the present. Why did I have a big company? What was I thinking? Wow. And now the universe is giving me another shot. This is going to be the best weekend, like, ever. Mm. 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 I feel pregnant. Change the future. There's money to be made here, man. We could invent iPods, Prius, Match.com, short ribs. We could combine uh, Viagra with Twitter. What? Twitagra. Boom! And kick some past. You're breaking up with me? That's not how this happens. Do you know what happens to you? You get fat. I mean, like, fat. Hot tub time machine. Could I text you later? Wait, what? Are you online at all? I have no idea what you're saying. How do I get a hold of you? Come find me. That just sounds exhausting. So my number 10 is Hot Tub Time Machine, and it's just fun and silly and stupid. And it's set in the 80s, half of it. <laughs> um, and it's just about a bunch of high school buddies who get back together for a weekend and have a chance to change their lives. So... Uh, my favorite part of the trailer was the squirrel that drank the energy drink and its eyes bugged out. <laughs> the Chernobyl. <laughs> yeah. I, I was saying to during the trailer, but Crispin Glover is fucking wonderful in this movie because he just keep, keeps getting like Mutilated. torn apart right and right. <laughs> Super cool. I haven't seen this movie in so long. I, I think because the second one really like tainted maybe the first one for me. <laughs> I've yeah. still not seen that second one. I, I didn't think this, it was that bad. This was a fun time in a theater, though. Like There was laughs all over the place with this one. So. People had fun with it. Yeah, that's that's it. <laughs> All right, nothing too deep on that one. All right, uh, next up, Zach. Alrighty, you're so number ten. This is a year where I saw everything in a theater, so I had lots of fun because I was working at them at the time. And my number ten um, is a film I haven't watched in a while, but I wore the hell out of it in the theater and later on Blu-ray when it came out. But uh, it, it it was the fulfillment of a promise that came three years ago. Um, if we're talking 2010, 2007 gave us the tease for this, and 2010 gave us the full-blown action that was. I saw the file. Rogue federal agent.
these men. Yes, Padre. I'll see what I can do. Yeah, my number ten is my, my number ten is Machete. Uh, yeah, this was uh, this was something I looked forward to immensely, and I feel like it paid off in stride. Um, if you don't know what Machete is, go watch Grindhouse first, and then watch Machete. Um, but Machete been wronged, and he's gonna get payback the way he knows how. Also, he don't uh, he don't text. Um, yeah, no, it, it was. I'll tell you the 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 thing that I loved about it especially going back multiple times in a the theater was like, this is cool that Danny Trejo is finally getting a chance to be the headliner where he's usually the side character or somebody who kind of pops in for a second and then leaves. And to him, for him to have his own movie where he's headlining it, he's really the main attraction. That was a, that was so, something really cool to finally see. Um, and I think the supporting cast is fantastic. I, Jeff Fahey, it's always fun to watch him and he plays the sleazeball in this that he was in the trailer for Grindhouse. <laughs> Um, and then you also, ha- I, I like Michelle Rodriguez in the movie a lot. Um, and, uh, Robert De Niro's character is surprisingly relevant. Um, and, uh, but yeah, the, the movie, it's co-directed by, um, Rodriguez and Ethan McQuise. And it's just, there's a, there's a kind of a nice grindhouse vibe to it while still feeling like it goes toe to toe with an action movie coming out around the time in 2010. So it, it manages to hold the audience's attention and I, it's just a, a hell of a fun time. Um, I didn't really like the follow-up Machete Kills that much, but it's still fun. It's It's got its charms. Um, I, I want Machete Kills in space. I don't think I'm ever going to get it. Um, but, you know, yeah, this was, like I said, this was, this was something that, because Grindhouse was such a flop, I did not expect them to ever actually make this movie. So when it was, like, finally announced, I'm like, holy shit, this is going to happen? Well, I think it gets made because Rodriguez is able to shoot it at his studios, and he keeps yeah. the the cost down. Oh yeah, the, so there's always a he can he'll be always be able to make films. Well, I mean, I think he's a fun director. Oh but. yeah, and I mean, dude, Alita is wonderful partially because of him. So, uh, and uh, and also like he he is able to get it away from a shitty company into a company that no longer exists. So you know, like you know, that kind of helps too. Um, but yeah, Machete. Um, oh, and Cheech Marin as a priest wielding shotguns and smoking blunts. How is that not something everyone's wanted? <laughs> I, I challenge you to tell me that you never wanted that because I'll, I'll call you a fucking liar. Machete was on my list last time, so that's my endorsement. <laughs> Machete don't like Brad. <laughs> <laughs> but I haven't watched it a lot <laughs> since then. Uh, James. Your number 10. Yeah. Cool. Um, so my number 10, most of my list is pretty popcorn friendly, like just good movie that nobody's going to necessarily argue with that like, okay, yeah, that's fun. Uh, so my number 10 as a ringer is like the most artsy fartsy movie that I love from this year. Um, mostly because even 10 years later, we still don't know whether it's a documentary or not. Uh, so here's my number 10.
Okay, cool. Um, so uh, my number 10 is Exit Through the Gift Shop, uh, which I'll just talk about like it's real. Um, so Exit Through the Gift Shop is the story of a guy, Terry, uh, <laughs> who, who becomes Mr. Brainwash. He, he sort of uh, is an idiot and falls his way, which I hope it, that I shouldn't talk about him being an idiot because maybe it is a documentary. Um, so he's kind of an idiot and he falls his way into the sort of street art community and befriends people like uh, like a shepherd fairy and a Banksy. Um, and so while at the same time, the movie is a documentary about Banksy and the street art scene of, you know, the 2000s, it also is this bizarre inversion where this guy starts creating complete bullshit art that, that really isn't maybe as good as everything else but also draws into question whether or not any of it is art to begin with or how you would even define any of that. Um, and uh, yeah. And so he kind of becomes like the shill that everybody is sort of afraid Banksy's going to become. Um, it's all like, and at the same time, it's hilarious because Terry is really funny either because he's a caricature or because he's a real human being who's really dumb. Um, and yeah, it's it's just bizarre. Um, I, as you can tell from the way I'm talking about it, like there is a, a whole contingent of people who think that it is a not not hoax, but that parts of it are fictionalized. Um, you know, the, the I mean, cover if you, says oh, if, if you study banks, sorry, I mean interrupt you. Um, oh, right, yeah. Where I was gonna say go, go is like it's the cover says a Banksy film, and when you when you know more about what Banksy does, it just makes sense that this is. A, at least a semi-narrative um, that that he he wants to say something through the way this movie is made, um, and and for that I think it's fantastic. Like I remember watching this movie several times in 2010 because I just thought it was really interesting, um, and I think uh, I think Terry's great. I think what you what you also learn about that whole scene is really fascinating. Like um, all the stuff about Shepard Fairy, I think is great. And like seeing all of the behind the scenes stuff on that is really cool. So anyway, Henry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, I've had five too many conversations about Banksy going to a New York art school. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's very easy to interpret Exit to the Gift Shop as a Banksy piece itself. Yeah. Uh, and so it's like, that, like I said, it's kind of hard to tell if this is like a narrative art film that he made or if it is a documentary yeah and so it's what makes it a very interesting film because so. the first half really feels like genuine documentary and then it's that second half where it it, it becomes hard to believe in, mm -hmm. in a way you know um but uh but yeah no i think uh i think it's great and people should check out exit through the gift shop that's my number 10 yeah it was uh, it was on my list when I wrote a list in 2010, and I haven't seen it since 2010, so I couldn't commit to putting it on. But I remember being dumbfounded by the movie in the theater. I didn't know what to make of it at first. So, uh, and also I remember the controversy of Banksy being nominated for an Oscar, and it would mean he'd have to reveal who he was. And uh, yeah, obviously I mean, that like, didn't like Banksy's not showing up at no goddamn Oscar. Come on. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, yeah. It, when you when you see that article, you're just like, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, Henry, last and certainly not least, unless it's a French film. Oh, it's not. Don't worry. 
Uh, my number 10 film is a film that I like. Ms. Kesey, I would like to start with your abduction. Four men made me open the safe. They took me as a hostage. Were you able to see anything at all through the blindfold? No. When someone endures an experience like this, there are often residual effects. <laughs> okay. Just having a bad week. I like to have a good cry at the nail salon. <laughs> Why should we buy you a drink? There are over 300 bank robberies in Boston every year. Most of these professionals live in a one-square-mile neighborhood called Charlestown. Do your parents still live here? My mother moved away, my father. You don't get out much. I'm thinking about making a change. Making a change. Either you got heat or you don't. You used to hang around with Doug McCray a little bit, huh? How do you know Dougie? I work for the FBI. I'm putting this whole town in my review. You grew up right here. Same rules that I did. I hear you got a sweet new girlfriend. Secret's this one. If I think anything might happen to her, I'm gonna kill both of you. Are you in love with me? Yes. She's the one person that can give us the defense. She didn't see anything. Get that in your head. This is the not screwing around crew. So find me something that looks like a print, because this not screwing around thing is about to go both ways. I want to go with you. I'm leaving with somebody else. If we get jammed up, we'll have them caught on the street. Go, go. I just want you to know that you're going to die in federal prison. I'll see you again, this side or the other. So, yeah, my number 10 is The Town, which is a film that I very much enjoy. Um, but yeah, The Town. It's directed by Ben Affleck. It's a heist movie. Those are always fun. It takes place in Boston, and those films are, on average, 45% good. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice scientific poll you have there, with a margin of error of, like, 4%. Yeah, you know, so, but, uh, yeah, I think it's good. I think, it's personally, it's my favorite film that Ben Affleck has directed. Uh, I think Ben Affleck is a really good actor-director. Uh, he really can pull performances off people in a way that I think a lot of actors turned directors can't. Uh, I, I point to this film as being the one film that I think Blade of Likely is actually fantastic in. Uh, I think it really... <laughs> when I was in, I think, middle school when I saw this film, uh, I remember thinking, oh, Blake Lively is, like, the next big actress and that she's she's thoroughly disappointed me since then. And so... Uh, but uh, the movie. She was good. You it is good, but I have... a shark. With Anna Kendrick? Wow. Look at all these great films that you're oh, bringing up. yes. <laughs> Actually, yes. <laughs> you didn't realize you're going to piss off the Blake Lively uh, lovers here, did you? <laughs> we of the Lively contingent will not have this. <laughs> so anyway, Blake Lively, if you want to talk to my lawyer, his name is Chuck. Um, but uh, yeah, my number 10 film is The Town. Go check like it I out. Like I said, like I said, 
COVID has been going on so long that now my wife has started watching Gossip Girl, which is one more reason why we need a vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> there are few people who can deliver as stilted dialogue as, as Blake Lively. Like, it is amazing how for seasons, every line can be delivered exactly the same way. Hey, Henry, uh, how would you uh, critique the uh, sound in the town? Dude, I haven't seen this film in like eight years. <laughs> so I don't know. I saw it last year. I don't remember it being bad. Is it is it purposefully bad? Is there something I don't know about it? No, I, I just figured since that's your like, um, you know, area of expertise as a filmmaker right uh, now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, as far as I know, it sounds good. Are the gunshots? Henry, loud, get back Henry. in your niche and only talk about sound. <laughs> uh, Corinne, sorry, Henry, were you done? I'm sorry. I just said my number ten is the town. Corinne, you're number nine. My number nine is another movie that I got introduced to. Through my dad. Don't make any sudden moves. Don't talk about satellites. Seriously? Why are you trying to kill me? Why would I be trying to kill you? Because the last time we met, I tried to kill you. That was a long time ago. Some people hold on to things like that. They used to be the CIA's top agents. Victoria, best wet work asset in the business. What? What's that? I kill people, dear. But the secrets they know... This is off the books. Total blackout. ...just made them... ...the agency's top targets. Tell me everything you know. Some thumbsucker tagged them red. Red? Retired, extremely dangerous. Yeah, hey, don't make them like that anymore. We're going to break into the CIA and find out who's trying to kill us. We're getting the band back together. I put a few things away. Just in case. I am excited. What do you suppose the punishment is for what we're doing here? Death. Awesome. <laughs> I thought it might be nice to have a bit of girl time together. You can't touch me. Of course we can. That's right, old man. Old man? No respect. Old man, my... This is like the Blacklist movie, right? I mean, pretty much. It, it, there are a lot of similarities between my number nine pick, which is Red, uh, Retired Extremely Dangerous, and The Blacklist. Um, Except Red sounds Mary fun. Parker in it. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, Red is uh, it's another just kind of fun action movie, uh, funny, well-paced, good cast. Um, I guess my only thing about it that I never really liked is how Morgan Freeman's character just, like, just get killed. He gets killed off in this just very undramatic and kind of sad way, and it's never really brought up again. It's like, oh, that was your friend, and he sacrificed himself so that you could get away or something, and don't even hardly acknowledge it, but... 
it's a fun movie. And I, I do love that shot of uh, Bruce Willis getting out of the car and shooting the gun at uh, Carl Urban's character. It's got a lot of good action sequences in it. So that's Red. Yeah, Red that movie is really fun. Yeah. Uh, with spoilers, Brad hasn't seen it. Way to go, Corinne. <laughs> now I know Carl Urban's the bad guy. And, <laughs> and Morgan Freeman's Freeman fucking dead. He, he's fucking dead? <laughs> and Richard Dreyfuss doesn't get trailer credit. Neither does Ernest Borgnine. Yeah. What the fuck's up with that film? God. That movie's, that movie's fun. I put it in the middle of my favorite comic book films. It's a, it's a, fun, it's a fun time. Yeah. I always forget that that's a comic yeah. book movie. <laughs> It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't do it for me in the geezer exploitation realm, but it's a fun movie. It's not quite like Space Cowboys, but you know, almost. it's not like Grumpy Old Men, which is the high stand. I'm mean, take that back. Sunshine Boys is the top. Yeah, it might be the last time Bruce Willis cared. Yeah, he was in another movie this year that's not on any of our lists, right? Because yeah, he was in another movie this year called Cop Out. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Doing a similar stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was my number nine, Red. Uh, I'm next. My number nine is also a comic book film. Um, yeah, and no one knew how important this film would be when it was released. Could we pick up now where we left off, Mr. Stark? Please. Yes, dear. Can I have your attention? Absolutely. Our priority here is to have you turn over the Iron Man weapon to the American people. Well, you can forget it. We're safe. America is secure. You want my property? You can't have it. But I did you a big favor. I have successfully privatized world peace. We're adjourned for the day. You've been a delight. Okay, give me a smooch for good luck. I might not make it back. Go get him, boss. You complete me. Oh, it's good to be back. You come from a family of thieves and butchers. And now, like all guilty men, you try to rewrite your own history. And you forget all the lives the Stark family has destroyed. They will be blood in the water, and the sharks will come. Iron Man 2 and 
James was talking during the trailer and he mentioned how he saw it recently and it's better than he remembered. And I agree. I recently went through and watched the Marvel movies in order. And I don't know if it's because if it, it immediately followed Incredible Hulk where I got more into Iron Man 2. Um, but it also laid the found foundation for the Marvel movies going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get Scarlett Johansson's uh, Black Widow. Um, Don Cheadle is a much better war machine. Um, when I go back and watch the first Iron Man, which is a great film, uh, but I think the, the weak link is Terrence Howard. And because I don't think he has a screen presence like Don Cheadle does. And... But yeah, Iron Man 2 is just awesome, and Robert Downey Jr. really came into his own, I think, as Tony Stark in it, and it sets up the president of Tony Stark actually being a major villain in Marvel by always creating worse people than he is, and his mistakes come back to haunt not only himself, but the world, um, and it's just, it, it's, a, it's a really fun movie, and... I, I always find a way to get Robert Downey Jr. on my list somehow. It also kind of establishes smaller side characters having actual importance in future movies. Like, I mentioned Gary Shandling during the trailer. He ends up being a Hydra agent in mm-hmm. um, Winter Soldier, but also this is more development with Coulson. Yep. And Happy Hogan. I yeah. Mean... Yeah. I, I... It, and that it... ex-wife joke is excellent. Yeah, a, a lot of what I think at the time wasn't great because they were doing so much work to set up the universe now has aged really well because now you go back and you're like oh yeah i love all these characters and i know what's going on and this is great so like the plot stuff that bothered people when it came out worked well and then mickey rourke is terrible and i'm glad that his uh comeback didn't stick oh you know who hasn't returned that needs to return justin hammer yeah oh percent. miss that fucking dance man justin hammer absolutely needs to come back yep (laughs) Brad, you were going to say something? No, I was going to say, like, I, I, I don't get the hate that a lot of Marvel fans hate for this movie. It's just, I think it's fun. Like Me too. And, it, yeah, it, it sets up a lot of what, uh, you know, not, like, when a Marvel movie comes out, like, we're looking for these characters to pop up. And this one just kind of, like, you know, characters that I didn't pay attention to back then mm. are very prominent now. And, um, yeah, this is just kind of like a world-building uh, sequel. Yeah, I love the ACTC at the beginning at the Stark Expo, and you know that has it has a callback in Avengers when Loki is you know telling people to bow to him, and then you can hear um, you know ACDC cranking, which then comes back to uh, on your left and at the End Game where everything kind of comes and uh, all... lots of lots of seeds are planted. And then Far From Home where yeah. Peter Parker confuses ACDC with Led Zeppelin. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I love it. Hashtag it's all connected. It's 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 great. Anyways, that's my number nine. Um, Brad, we skipped you. Yeah, because we got our first repeat. My number nine was Exit Through the Gift Shop, oh. and James covered it so um, articulately. So I'll, I'll we'll just move on. I, I think it's a fascinating movie. Yeah, he didn't sweep you that bad. Yeah, I felt bad. I mean, the best sweep of all time was 1980 when I my number ten film was Zach's number one. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's you, you know what it's fine. I'll love John Carpenter in my house alone. How it's supposed to be. That's not reality, Zach. This is not reality. I figured if anyone was going to sweep me on it, it would be Henry. But yeah, James got the. Uh, can we uh, it's it's my uh, number eleven. So. Oh, it's Henry's number eleven. So. Close. Yeah. So it was bubbling. It's my number twelve. That's fine. I'm glad other people like it because it's not a film I hear people talk about a ton. 
So yeah, well, it's kind of like you said, where it, I think it got down to ten for me, just because it's not a movie I've rewatched a lot. But that's because, like, why would you like? You know? Yeah, actually, I own it, and I haven't. Oh yeah, it in right, since the exactly. Theater. Same here. Yeah, it's a fascinating film, and like I said, the the most interesting part is is it, um, like. Is it a documentary or is it a fiction developed by Banksy to, you know, be, be its own art piece? You know, mm-hmm. so, yeah. I think it was a cash grab by Banksy. He just needed to get in on that Hollywood game. Knew it. Totally. He he's says he's for money. the art, but it's really for the money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, going to art school, ninety-nine percent about the money. So <laughs> <laughs> that's what I heard. I, I heard that like art school students live like kings. I mean, I'm not going to deny my throne. I mean, I can see your hardwood floors, Henry. So, uh, Fun fact, that's a sticker. Um, and so they've laid over it. So, what? Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's like concrete. So. <laughs> All those fake New York elites. Yeah. So. Hey, guys, the reason I podcast with you is because I got kicked out of my kingdom. So. <laughs> That's the best answer. Fun fact, it's a sticker. (laughs) (laughs) Zach, your number nine film. All right, my number nine film is a film that had to build in my head over ten years because I hated this movie when it came out. I was actually kind of pissed about it. And then, over time, uh, I grew to love it. And um, I think if we didn't get what we got earlier this year with Universal Monsters... I think this one would have been a fine way to kind of keep rejuvenating those old figures of the past. And here it is. It was 25 years ago that my father found him. He was torn to pieces and half eaten. Whatever did it was big. And Buckshot couldn't kill it. After that, my father went home cast silver bullets wouldn't leave the house on a full moon from then on lo and behold prodigal son returns hello father you've come for the funeral what happened your brother's body was found in a ditch deep into torn to pieces if there's anything you need please let me know I want to know what happened to him. Francis Abilene, Scotland Yard. I cannot stress enough the mortal peril you're in. What kind of animal could have done such a thing? You're risking your life. Darkness comes for you. He's been quite seriously injured. Thank you for staying with me. Now we know it's still out there. You were bitten by the beast. You bear his mark now. Do you believe in curses? You have to leave. What are you afraid of? There are those who doubt the power to change men into beasts. A beast has come among us. Terrible things, Lawrence. You've done terrible things. Be strong, sir. Be strong. I am what they say I am. I'm a monster. I will kill all of you! Let me help you. Beast will have its day. 
So yeah, my number nine is The Wolfman, um, the 2010 Joe Johnston version of uh, the legendary Kurt Siadmak story. Um, so my issue with this film when it first came out was that it was super violent because I had an opinion at the time of like, well, if you're going to do the classic monsters, it should be more subtle and, and less the, bloody. Where the Wolfman strangles people to death? Yeah, yeah. And, and, <laughs> that doesn't but, make any sense. But, well, again, again, this is a uh, it's 2010, so I am 19 years old, so what the fuck do I So mean? you're more of a snob back then than you are now? Nice polite strangling. Nice, polite, yeah, yeah. gentle strangle. That's why I always laughed about the original Wolfman, which, I mean, the original Wolfman's fun, but he strangles people to death, and I go, but he's a wolf. Yeah. <laughs> he's All supposed right. to be slashing at people. Also, Lon Chaney Jr. is not the son of a lord. You but... know how wolves <laughs> strangle, like, deers and things? <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> they... livestock? Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I never thought about that. It's pretty accurate. Wolfmen do strangle cat people. <laughs> um, no, but so, I, but, like, and also, like, my... My takeaway was that Anthony Hopkins's reveal was a bit far fetched, even though I remember liking the final wolf fight at the end. Um, and at the time, I wasn't really sure about the CGI. But as time has gone on and I've rewatched it, learned more about the people who were working on it, at, like Rick Baker in particular, and learning how he actually does a wonderful makeup job in this film because he's having to use practical and learning how CGI helps assist the makeup process and how the two intertwine. Yeah, I think it was nominated for an Academy Award for Best it, Makeup. And it won. It did win. This is the last right. uh, award Rick Baker has won because he's kind of retired now and kind of makes fun art projects in his house. Um, but um, his Instagram is awesome. But um, I will say that like as the time has gone on, I've appreciated the fact that if you were going to do Universal Monsters, up until what we got with The Invisible Man this year, this would have been the logical point. Is like, yeah, make it super violent. Like, make these monsters scary again. That totally works. Um, and I really like Benicio Del Toro in the film. Like, I think he is a palpable substitute if you're going to re- replace Lon Chaney Jr. Or, or, like, try to top Lon Chaney Jr. It's like, oh, yeah, get somebody who can kind of... I don't think you have a choice, but yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah you dig him up. Oh, dude. That, dig him up. Does you, do you think I'm a fart head? Did, um, uh... Uh, but I, I haven't seen it in a while. Is Anthony Hopkins is already the Wolfman, right? And he, he infects Del Toro. He, well, yeah, he attacks Del Toro in the middle of the gypsy, um, in, in the middle of the gypsy caravan, where so, so it kind of changes up. So, so Bela the gypsy doesn't um, attack uh, Lawrence Talbot. It's the father. So this is also like the Legend of Zorro, where Anthony Hopkins was already Zorro, and then he recruits Antonio I, Banderas. I don't, I don't like the way you're the direction you're taking this, Brad. Like, that, <laughs> don't bring, don't drag Zoro into this muck. Like, come on now, leave, see, leave see, Zorro where he Just saying, it's so similar. And also, James, you're being mean. But um, so yeah, I, I I will tell you, like, I, I rewatched it two days ago, the unrated cut, and I was just having a blast with it. Like, it is a fun movie that delivers on its promise to make a meaner Wolfman movie. Um, and I think the makeup job on Del Toro looks fantastic. It's a combo of CGI and practical. It looks like the Cheney makeup adjusted to Benicio's face and kind of smoothed out and updated a teeny bit. Um, I think it's got a lot going for it. Um, it's interesting that this movie went through the reshoots that it did and kind of the production hell that it did because this movie ended up being a huge bomb for Universal because 
They sunk a lot of money into it and made very little back. Um, but they are, they thankfully have given the monsters to Blumhouse, and now they're going to get back on track. So, um, but yeah, The Wolfman, a very fun monster movie. Aru, uh, James, your number nine. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so my number nine is a really fun movie that I think is underrated. Um, it's super watchable and has really great action sequences in it. And part of why it's underrated is that it's got this like little bit of a twist in it. It's not a little bit of a twist, but it's not huge. Uh, that I think for whatever reason spoiled the movie for some people. Um, and I will also say uh, this is the best script that Gary Witta has ever written. Um, so yeah, this is my, uh, my number nine. Thirty winters ago, the war tore a hole in the sky. Only a few survived. Our only hope is in my hands. Take off the pack nice and slow. Put that hand on me again, you won't get it back. <laughs> Cursed be the ground for our sake. For out of the ground we were taken, and to the dust we shall return. I told you you weren't going to get that back. This little town just the beginning. All we need is that book. It's different than the others. You're not going to be able to make him do what you want him to do. This is your last chance. Give it up or I swear I'll bury you. I don't want any trouble. That's too bad. Nobody touches it but me, you understand me? I love this guy. Shoot him, please. Teach me. Put a crew together, we're going after him. Go back inside. <laughs> Close your eyes. Uh, so my number nine is the book of Eli, uh, which is a Denzel Washington movie made by the Hughes brothers, uh, who had such great potential. Um, and I so wish they had just made more just dope ass action movies like this in the last 10 years. Um, they should have called it the book of Eli too. You won't see it coming. Bah. <laughs> uh, that's the worst. Uh, yeah. This is a movie with uh, just some like cool action scenes and uh, Gary Oldman is being Gary Oldman in all the best ways. Um, and Mia Kunis 
seems like she could be a movie star and <laughs> yeah like so much of this movie just has such great potential to make more you know eight out of tens in the future um and not not as many great things came from it uh the story is really is uh i mean it just is what it is it's a post-apocalyptic movie where denzel washington is walking the earth and fights people and he's got a machete and he shoots people uh and that's about it um Corinne said that she had uh, she had first seen it on cable and probably jumped in about halfway through. Um, and I feel like that's about the right way to see it the first time. Like this is a movie where you should walk in with no expectations and maybe not even catch the first five minutes just and just be trying to catch up the whole time. Uh, and I think you would have a fantastic time. It deserves the stakes of it's Saturday afternoon and I have it playing in the background. And about halfway through, you'll realize you stopped vacuuming and just started watching the whole movie. Um, because it's really good um so yeah uh the book of eli underrated uh and man wow the, the hughes brothers deserve to make something better than alpha that's my number nine henry all right my number nine in 2010 was my third favorite film of all time and now it is my ninth favorite film of this year nobody's ever tried to be a superhero well i don't know probably because it's impossible putting on a mask and helping people how's that impossible dude if anybody did it in real life they get their ass kicked yeah. oh no i'm just standing around you know <laughs> no not <laughs> i was just a regular guy hey gorgeous hey my only superpower oh. was being invisible to girls <laughs> the comic books had it wrong you don't need a power to be a superhero. Leave him alone! It's none of your business! Yes, it is. Hey, there's a dude just like a superhero out there fighting a bunch of guys. Who are you? I'm Kick-Ass. Kick-Ass has become the latest internet phenomenon. This is awesome. It's actually pretty good. He should call himself Ass Kick instead. <laughs> He's inspired a wave of real-life superheroes. Tool up, honey bunny. Time to get bad guys. You wanna go fight some crime? Let's see what you can do. This guy comes out of nowhere. This would be the guy that looks like Batman. They tell me one guy killed eight of my men tonight. I gotta send a public service message that being a superhero is bad for your health. So you wanna play? Who are you? On Hit Girl. And that's Big Daddy. Kick ass. Red Mist. Oh, that kind of hurt. Yeah. I think I'm in love with her, dude. I want this place locked down. Nobody comes in, nobody goes out. It's a little kid. Oh, yeah. You didn't see that, did you? That's right. We're superheroes. We love us. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's my number nine. Uh, a film that's, uh, which is kick ass. 
which is a film that is tailor made for a 14 year old boy who loves comics, which was what I was when this film came out. Uh, and uh, yeah, I remember watching like watching this movie, uh, disobeying my parents at the time, uh, and being like, "This, this is peak cinema." Uh, and uh, <laughs> it was my third favorite film of all time. But it's great; I still enjoy it. Uh, and uh, I think it has a very special place in my heart, and I find it to be a very fun film. So yeah. Yeah, it was it was fourth on my list last time around, and I just yeah I haven't watched it that much since then, and it's it's fun for sure, and almost made my ten, but uh, yeah, yeah, I think the sequel definitely makes it you lose your enthusiasm for the idea of it, and so yeah, yeah, I remember being surprised by how wonderful Nicolas Cage is in it because. I was like at a certain point in the middle of the performance, I'm like, oh, he's doing an Adam West impression. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a fun movie. Almost on my list, but didn't make it because I have bigger fish to fry. Agreed. Whatever that meant. Corinne, uh, I'm sorry, Henry, were you done? Oh, yeah. My number 10, my number, yeah, my number nine film is uh, Kick-Ass. Yeah, there you go. Corinne, your number eight film. Yeah, it just occurred to me maybe like 10 minutes ago that I have two Helen Mirren films back to back. Um, I remember seeing the trailer for this movie a lot when I was in college and I would go to the uh, the union for like the free movie nights or whatever they had. And I never got around to actually watching it until a couple weeks ago. And I was like, I'm finally going to watch this movie. And I did. And it's great. And here's the trailer. I boarded the king's ship. In every cabin, I flamed amazement. At first sight, they have changed eyes. Do you love me? Beyond all limit. They are both in either's powers. Misery acquaints a man with strange bedfellows. Looking for business, governor. <laughs> Hast thou not dropped from heaven? Out of the moon, I do assure thee. Caliban! This island is mine! With this, be sure tonight thou shalt have cramps. Here lies your brother, no better than the earth he lies upon. Draw thy sword. And I, the king, shall love thee. I will plague them all, even to roaring! I have made you mad.
stuff as dreams are made on, and our little life is rounded with a sleep. Did Shakespeare die? <laughs> that's a that's a Marlowe film. Ryan, Shakespeare's going to be okay, right? <laughs> yeah, he'll make it. Okay, thank God. So my number eight is The Tempest, um, the one with like Helen Mirren, Jaman Hansu, uh, Ben Wishaw. Like everyone is in this movie, and it's fantastic. I don't know. Uh, the trailer didn't sell me on it. It looked really obnoxious. Um. I mean, I, it, it can be, I think. It it definitely uh, has a lot of elements that I think it says in the trailer, like the person who made Across the Universe made this movie too. And you can tell that there's like elements of that, but I think it lends itself well to the story. I mean, it's about sorcery and magic and stuff, and it's um, a little bit weird sometimes, and it, it just fits with the story. And I, I think it, they did a great job. She's directed Shakespeare on the stage before to great acclaim, so it's... It, she designed The Lion King. Yeah. And uh, they, they did the interesting thing in this movie where they made Prospero uh, a woman and played by Helen Mirren. So instead of, um, you know, it's not a man, it's a, it's a woman sorcerer. And, you know, they kind of play into that like a little bit of like instead of Prospero in the play being this like negligent guy, like that's why he gets kicked out is because he's like more obsessed and into his sorcery than he is into ruling Milan. And in this version, because Prospera is a woman, um, they kind of insinuate that she got um, kicked out of power because she was more of a woman and less because she was obsessed with magic. So that's just kind of interesting that way. And obviously, I mean, Helen Mirren. I'm not going to ever complain about Helen Mirren being in a Shakespeare adaptation. So it's a great cast. Felicity Jones is in it. She plays the uh, main, like the daughter, love interest gal, whose name I can't remember. Crap. (laughs) Great movie. I have a theory that I want to run by you called the Ben Warshaw Theory. Which basically says that any film that Ben Warshaw is in would be improved if his character in that film was played by Paddington. Would you agree with this for The Tempest? Um, it would be very interesting to see Paddington being like the sprite that is like, you know, orchestrating everything. I'll be honest, I would much rather watch that version of that trailer with Paddington than the one I just saw. Oh, Pashaw. It would not be bad, Henry. That's for sure. (laughs) Another film that I can use as an example of my uh, PhD dissertation. Okay. Uh, Yeah, so my number eight is The Tempest. Spectre is the number one on your your dissertation, right, Henry? Spectre would be much improved if Paddington was was Q. (laughs) Yeah, it would be awesome. (laughs) I keep on thinking of ways we can insert Paddington into movies. And I go, you know what? Paddington just gives James Bond marmalade to, <laughs> to Walter Pistol. Your hands Fight are... your enemies with this. Paddington and Mary Poppins teaming up in Mary Poppins Returns. I'm down. <laughs> um, my number eight is about two dudes. Oh, jeez. Whoa, Jesus. 
Did you see the way those guys looked at us? Who wants to go skinny dipping? and Dale versus Evil is also my number eight. Nice. Um, so yeah, Tucker and Dale versus Evil is a really funny take on the killer hillbilly trope in horror films, where these two nice guys named Tucker and Dale um, are just going on a vacation and they meet these. Well, teen- uh, Tucker bought a house in the woods. Yeah, and they're so they're going to set it up. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, um, and they set up that. Like I love the shot of those guys are looking and it's really creepy. And it's uh, uh it just plays on, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and uh things like that and the kids end up killing themselves and uh, yeah, it's just out of their own prejudice and paranoia. Yeah, and it's just one setup after another. If you've seen a lot of horror films, it's really funny. Yeah. It subverts the genre really well. Yeah. Like, and and Labine and Tudick are fucking hilarious. Yep. Yeah, I actually had this on my 2011 list, but it was at like 11 or 12. And then when you put this on your list, I was like, oh, right. This is a 2010 film, actually, and I didn't use it already. So I'm going to put it on my list. That was my confusion. Otherwise, this would have been on my fucking list. Yeah, Yeah. no, it's a a great film. Yeah, it's really funny. Um, And I I love how it just plays on all your uh, prejudices and misconceptions about class and society. Yep. Yeah. This was this was one of two movies that I really wanted to get on my list that I was pretty sure Ryan was going to take care of for me. So I well, thanks for uh, doing your job. Well, you know, pleasure to oblige. And you know, I can say uh, beyond a reasonable doubt that Alan Tudyk is a great person because I have met him in real life. I did his panel at Denver Pop Culture Con, and um, he was really funny. 
and he owes me one dollar. <laughs> yeah, two dick. We haven't for fucking got. Yeah, I've it. never <laughs> forgotten that. It's really quite sad in the movie. Like Tucker, like bears the brunt of all Dale's mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah. Yeah, it's a great film, and it's funny, and gory. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I, re- I remember like it was one of those rare Leonard Maltin reviews a horror movie <laughs> movies. Yeah. You read it and you're just like, wow, he really liked it. <laughs> and I mean, I, I you you are laughing at people like killing themselves, but it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's well done. It's not suicide. It's idiocy. Yeah. <laughs> I think like Friday Thirteenth, uh, like when people die in that, it's like, well, it's because Jason's deliberately murdering them. Yeah. But in this case, like these kids die of their own stupidity <laughs> yeah. and like, yeah, prejudice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I just laughing when he throws the thing at, uh, at uh, the fire at Tucker and Dell, and they dodge, and he catches his friend on fire. <laughs> Stupid and funny. I love that stuff. Yep. Ah, uh, that's Brandon Eyes number eight. Zach? Uh, my number eight is from the filmmaker that everybody loves except for James. Give you a briefing about the institution? All I know is it's a mental hospital. For the criminally insane. We take only the most dangerous, damaged patients, ones no other hospital can manage. You are hereby required to surrender your firearms. We are duly appointed federal marshals. But during your stay, you will obey protocol. Gentlemen, welcome to Shutter Island. Marshal Daniels? Doctor, so this female prisoner, Rachel Solando, escaped sometime in the last 24 hours. Is she considered dangerous? You could say that. It's 11 miles to the nearest land and the water's freezing. We don't know how she got out of her room. Came back for a midnight round, she was gone. It's as if she evaporated straight through the walls. Who is 67? There are a total of, what, 66 patients at this facility? That is correct, yes. It seems to me Rachel Solando is suggesting that you have a 67th patient, Doctor. A lot of people know about this place, but no one will talk, you know, it's like they're scared of something. You haven't taken any pills, have you? Seen any walking nightmares lately, Marshal? Pull yourself together, Teddy. I've built something valuable here. Don't you get it? You're a rat in a maze. Valuable things have a way of being misunderstood. Who knows about this? Everyone. The nurses, the the, the orderlies, they they, they couldn't possibly know. Everyone. You do understand that they can't let you leave. Going somewhere? So my number eight is Shutter Island, um, directed by Martin. Please love me, James Scorsese. Um, so I actually, James, I was in your camp when I first saw the film. Um, where, well, not as extreme in the camp. I was actually not very impressed with it because the ending fell flat for me. Because I'm like, 
Well, this is an obvious ending. I watch this film a lot differently now, especially after doing the Hitchcock series and revisiting Val Luton, because Scorsese obviously is going to homage classic cinema in his own way. This film feels like something Val Luton would have made in the 40s for cheap at RKO. This has some Hitchcock embellishments into it. So it does feel like it's Scorsese's version of that kind of B-level horror mystery. Um, so, yeah, I... I don't know. I don't think it works as like uh, like purely on a story level because it is kind of like pulpy ish. It's Dennis Leon's book that they're basing it off of, but I do like the performances in it. I like the way this movie looks and the way it's constructed in terms of its visual scheme. Um, I think DiCaprio is fine in the movie. Um, I actually like the people around DiCaprio in the movie way more. Um, like I like Kingsley in it a lot. I like Ruffalo in it, um, and. Uh, Ted Levine getting to do something that's not Buffalo Bill is always kind of fun. So, um, yeah, it's not a perfect Scorsese movie, and I, that's why I didn't put it high on the list. But I've had fun with it over the years, revisiting it and going like, is this movie better than I think it is? And it gets better each time I watch it. So, um, I have never been a fan of this movie in so much that I believe that it's made by someone who thinks they know what a horror film is. Mm-hmm. And... When I watch it, I know all the beats, I know all the twists, and uh, it just it never does anything for me. And I completely understand that. That's why, as I've rewatched it, I'm like, I have to look at this as if it's made by a guy who's only watched horror movies up to about the late 1940s. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 so, lo- it looks nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and you know, like, I. I wonder if there's a different world where Scorsese made a kind of movie like this that was, like, way more transcendent and whatnot. But, you know, I mean, we get what we get, and I enjoy it. So, uh, James, your number eight film. She's got so many better movies to watch than Shutter Island. She's wearing her <laughs> Jaws onesie now. I had to change her. Yeah, that's that awesome. <laughs> her little, little Quince shark fishing onesie. Anyway, um, my number eight is... Uh, the other semi-pretentious artsy movie on my list um, that I don't think was on my list back in 2010 um, because it was such like a indie darling whatever. And so I probably was like, ah, whatever. People are talking about that enough. But I rewatched it recently with my wife, I don't know, in the last like six months or so. Um, and it really holds up. And I think it's really good. Uh, and it's something that if you didn't, if you weren't around then, you wouldn't have known to go watch this movie. So um, that's why I kept it on the list. So this is my number eight. Here you go. Way down in Missouri where I heard this melody The old folks were humming The banjos were strumming So sweet and low Mike Satterfield, A1 Bonds. What is it you want? We hold the bond on Jessup Dolly. He didn't show for court. That ain't no run. Jessup signed over everything. If he doesn't show a trial, see, the way the deal works is y'all gonna lose his house here and got some place to go. I'll find him. Girl, I've been looking. I said I'll find him. You see, the law was out here hunting Jessup. You know where he's at? I wouldn't tell him nothing if I did. I really gotta run Dad down to get him to show. You ought not do that. Dad's your only brother. I don't know where he's at. 
And I ain't gonna go around asking after him, neither. Who might you be? I'm Ree. My dad's Jessup Dolly. You ain't here for trouble, are you? I got a real bad need to talk to him. Talking just calls his witnesses. How long before we get kicked off our own property? I reckon y'all got this place about another week. The law found Jessup's car. Somebody set fire to it. He wasn't in it. Do you know those people going around saying you best shut up? People you want to listen to. Get out of the truck. Put your hands where I can see them. Is this going to be our time? There's stuff that you're going to have to get over being scared of. Get off! Don't hurt my sister! Get in the house! He was warned, and you wouldn't listen. Uh, so my number eight is uh, is Winter's Bone, um, which is a coming of age movie starring Jennifer Lawrence, uh, where she plays a young woman living in the Appalachian Mountains who's very poor and um, is watching out for her oh, man. She's got like a little brother or sister. Uh, she's got like some siblings, younger siblings that she's looking out for. Uh, anyway, uh, her dad goes missing. And I mean, the movie takes place over like the span of, I don't know. 24 hours or less as um since he's gone missing she's gonna lose the house like the 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 family that is already poor is gonna just disintegrate and so it's her going on this mission to try and go find her dad and she's you know interacting with other very poor people and criminals living in the mountains of of uh appalachia and um it's like rough it's a rough movie because so many like just the way that these people live and her story is just kind of sad. Um, but she's also really um, determined is maybe a way to, to, to put it um, really good movie. I think the performances are all fantastic. There's a, so many amazing character actors who show up along the way um, who are all just fantastic. Um, so yeah, it, it's one of those movies I, when the trailer started, Ryan said, you know, he hadn't seen it in a really long time, but remembered li- liking it. Um, and that's part of why I wanted to leave it on the list is that this was a movie that was a big deal in 2010. And this happens every year, big deal in 2010 that 10 years later, most people aren't remembering that this movie even happened, you know, um, especially cause now like Jennifer Lawrence is, I don't know, making a bunch of garbage, but, um, but has a big career and so you don't go back and look at these movies very often. So um, that's part of why I, I put it on the list where I did. Um, so yeah, you should go watch Winter's Bone. It's uh, it's really good. I think I haven't seen it in a long time because it is one of those films that is so gritty that it's hard to revisit a lot, but it is a good film. It's a good film. Grim. Very grim. Cool. That's my number eight. Henry, number eight. Uh, my number eight is the only documentary on my list, uh, but I think it's one of the best documentaries made of the 2000s. I've been on about four or five different types of sleeping pills and none of them help. That's how bad the nightmares are. I prefer not to sleep and not dream about it than sleep and just see the picture in my head. Hey, Ryan. 
Everybody's like, oh, you're going to the Korongal? Oh, and they feel sorry for you. Deadliest place on earth, the Korongal Valley. We're not ready for this. I'm thinking, what are we doing? First friend I lost was Restrepo. Where Restrepo died, we shot off flares. In the middle of the night, we put up a firebase. They realized once they could not knock off OP Restrepo, we had the upper hand. Hey, babe, I miss you. It takes a little bit out of you every time you see one of your boys get hurt. It's really like a big family. I want you guys to mourn, and then I want you guys to get over it and do your jobs. Two months and counting down. I just don't like the way it is. I don't like how it feels right now. I kill a bunch of bad guys. In the same instance, I'm, I'm killing five locals. I need to know better so that I'm not killing these people. see what's coming at you. Are you going to go back to the civilian world? I have no idea. <laughs> I still obviously haven't figured out how to deal with it inside. The only hope I have right now is that eventually I'll be able to process it differently. I'm never going to forget it. I don't want to not have that as a memory because that was one of the moments that makes me appreciate everything that I have. Uh, so yeah, uh, my number uh, eight is Restrepo, which is a documentary that follows a group of soldiers that are deployed to uh, the Korangal Valley in Afghanistan, which is considered the most dangerous valley in the uh, area. Uh, and it just kind of follows like what their deployment is like and uh, the establishing of uh, uh, outpost uh, Restrepo. And uh, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a really great documentary because of how the, the sacrifices that the documentary filmmakers had to make in order to make it. Uh, and because the filmmakers are constantly being shot at throughout the entire film and are constantly dealing with warfare to the point where the director tried to make a sequel, uh, but was killed uh, trying to make the sequel, which came out a couple of years after his death called uh, Korangal. Um, but uh, it is a great, doc it's a great documentary. I, I always uh, am floored and impressed by documentaries where uh the sacrifice that the filmmakers had to go through in order to like bring the story and bring these stories of these average everyday people, soldiers to the big screen. Uh, but yeah, uh, Restrepo, it's my number eight film and I heavily enjoy it. It's a very good film. And yeah, it's Sebastian Younger is the one that got killed, right? I'm sorry. Sebastian Younger is the one that got killed. If I'm remembering correctly. Right. Uh, if I remember, if I remember correctly, yeah, I think so. Yeah. That, yeah, Cause I remember reading that after not too long after finally seeing Restrepo, that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good movie. Oh, all right. I mean, I it, now I'm sad. Corinne, <laughs> you're number seven. <laughs> I'm going to bring it back here. Um, you, you guys know me. You know, I'm always a sucker for movies about journalism. Uh, I'm more on the print side, obviously, but I have a background in broadcast. Um, I worked, you know, I interned at a TV station for a while in college and so every time I watch this movie, um, it, it takes me back to being in a TV newsroom. So here's the trailer. 
I could get used to a view like this. Yep, I'm used to it. Guys, I want a castle. Ah, the kingdom. It is beautiful. Clapping, dancing, general merrymaking, not a care in the world. At least for most folks. See that handsome fellow running for his life? That is me. They just can't get my nose right. And that tower? Well, in that tower, there lived a girl who was just waiting for her life to begin. We really hit it off. How you doing? Gentleman that I am, I decided to help her. I'm prepared to offer you a deal. She could not resist me. I didn't want to have to do this, but you leave me no choice. Here comes the smolder. You coming, Blondie? And before we knew it, we began to uncover some secrets. I have to know what they are. I mean, this is serious stuff that just might turn this kingdom upside down. Flynn? Fighter! Run! Head down. Head down. Arms in. Arms in. Knees apart. Knees apart. Knees apart. Something brought you here. Fate, destiny. A horse. Gotham, your finest table, please. Who's that? They don't like me. Who's that? Let's just assume for the moment that everyone in here doesn't like me. Look out! This is kind of an off day for me. This doesn't normally happen. Go live your dream. I will. Your dream stinks. I was talking to her. Okay, so anyway, my number seven is Tangled. <laughs> I accidentally introduced a different movie on the list. I messed up, not Brad. Um, yeah, so my number seven's Tangled. And it's a great movie. I do think it doesn't leave as much of an impression as most Disney movies do. Obviously, I forgot it was even on my list. Um, I do think it's a good movie, though. The animation's beautiful. I think Mother Gothel's a really underrated Disney villain. Um, she kind of harkens back to a lot of the Disney villains of old, uh, like, you know, Maleficent and the Evil Queen and Snow White. I guess she's just another evil mother figure, so that tracks. Um, but it's a, it's a good movie. I wish there were more songs in it, because there's only, like, three or four songs in the whole movie and it's like oh it's it is a musical but it doesn't feel like really consistent that way just because the songs pop up every like 25 minutes instead of every 10 or so so it just doesn't it doesn't feel like a traditional disney movie but it also does at the same time so yeah tangled it's a it's a good movie just not as much of an impression on me as some other Disney movies. I remember, or animated I remember going with a friend to see this and I, I was kind of like, this looks like 
child nonsense. So we ended up going into Faster instead with Dwayne Johnson. Maybe um, yeah, but I, I, I need to finally sit down and watch this film because it's one of the few movies I've walked out of. And I regret why I walked out of it, because that was douchey to do. <laughs> Tangled is more funny than I thought it was going to be. Tangled's, Tangled is really good in a year with really, really good animated movies. Uh, so, yeah, not on my list. Yeah. <laughs> James hinted at it, but there are a lot of other way better animated movies that came out this year. So... Tangled just had some really tough competition, but also, I mean, it's good, but it's not as good as like other Disney animated movies. So my number seven we, is Tangled. <laughs> we, we can just be honest here. Frozen 2 is better than this movie. Frozen 2 is really good. There, I said it. Yeah, it is. I think yeah. this movie is a more coherent story, but... Frozen 2 made me cry. Uh, Leona clapped, so I think she agrees with her dad. <laughs> Uh, my number seven is also an animated film. Um, I'm a sucker for these movies because these animated films take chances that maybe li uh, the live action versions of this character does not. Night after night. I watch over this city, but now someone stands in the shadows, who knows my every move before I make it, stalking me. It ends tonight. Who do you work for? number seven is Batman under the red hood. Uh, it deals with the fallout of the death of Jason Todd, which was controversial in the 1980s in the Batman comic books. Um, the red hood comes back and plays on those fears that Batman has and the failures that he feels as a, as a hero. Um, the Joker is also features really heavily into it. And uh, it's, I guess it's not spoilers because Jason Todd's been back for so long, um, but he's kind of moved away from being this bad guy to being a kind of an anti-hero, and uh, it made him more interesting because no one liked him as Robin, and that's why he was people voted for him to be killed by the Joker. Mm -hmm. And there's uh, what really sells this whole film. Besides uh, the setup's really good, but the final confrontation between Batman, Red Hood, and the Joker is amazing. Um, yeah, my big takeaway, which I never really thought of until the movie, was that, like, yeah, like, Jason Todd's upset that, you know, this guy killed me and you let him live mm. um, or ha haven't taken care of, care of him enough. Um, and he's just on the loose killing more and more people because of your, the, like, how you, you know, live your life as Batman. So Jason Todd kind of is the hero but wants to do everything that Batman refuses to do. 
He's calling into question his rules or his his code. Yeah, yeah, and so because Jason Todd still it has that in him, but his you're right, his version of it is I'm going to kill him. Yeah, uh, me dying wasn't enough for you to want to yeah. kill the Joker. Uh, and Joe DiMaggio crushes it as a Joker. I was going to say that we saw my friend Matt and I saw this at Comic Con. They did a screening of it at San Diego, and they like they had a panel right before it, and I didn't know what to expect, and I. The thing ended, and I was like, that was fucking incredible. I had no idea John DiMaggio could do the Joker. Like, that was just not even in my realm of thought. This movie rocks, man. Yeah, it's, it's uh, like I said, they, they take chances on these ones that you probably can't in the live-action Batman films. Because, mm-hmm. um, one, it's too continuity-heavy. I mean, you can't, I guess you could introduce the Red Hood at some point, but you'd also have to set up that Jason Todd is dead, which I guess I kind of did in uh, Batman Superman. Uh, but, yeah, it's... Uh, it's a really good animated film. And one of these usually sneaks on my list every year because I, I really enjoy them. This is the film that convinced me that the, the direct to, the directed premiere videos for them were really good. Like yeah. I, I, I didn't really think much of them until this one. So, yep. yep. And that was my number seven, Brad. Uh, my number seven, um, I haven't revisited too much since 2010, but it's really still on my list because it did a lot for just kind of like original IP. So my number seven is this. There's one thing you should know about me. I specialize in a very specific type of security. Subconscious security. You're talking about dreams. Mr. Carl has a job offer he would like to discuss with you. Like a work placement? Not exactly. We create the world of the dream. We bring the subject into that dream. And they fill it with their secrets. Then you break in and steal it. Well, it's not strictly speaking legal. It's called Inception. Already. I think I found a way home. And this last job, that's how I get there. Dreams feel real while we're in them. It's only when we wake up that we realize something is actually strange. This is your responsibility! You are not prepared for this! Dreams collapsing. I have it under control. to see out of control. You mustn't be afraid to dream a little bigger, darling. Yep. My number seven is the movie that invented the Bois. Bois. <laughs> um, yeah, my number seven is Inception. Uh, yeah, it's it, 
I saw it a lot when it came out in 2010. Um, and that's probably why I haven't been back to like check on it in a long time. Um, but yeah, it's just a, a, a cool, I don't know if it's entirely original, but just the way that Nolan presents it and executes it um, just kind of feels like it, it is its own thing um, about a guy who works for a company that is able to travel into people's dreams and plant suggestive ideas in their heads in order to um, make them do things. Um, but he's also, st- the, the twist is he's possibly stuck in his, like his job is possibly in his own level of dreams. And he's really just trying to get back to his wife. Um, and so there's always it, a calling it a question of whether or not what level he's on is actually um, the real world. So, um, and it, it feels very much like this could also be like another co- company operating in the tenant inception universe. Like yeah. they're like, I can definitely see those two worlds being in the same place. Right. So yeah, pretty cool. And yeah, at the time it was kind of a big gamble. Um, cause a lot of, you know, what big studios approve and still today is, uh, you know, sequels and, uh, trust tried and true IP. And, uh, you know, since dark Knight hit so big, uh, they felt okay with saying like, this guy can, make a really cerebral drama gross like over a hundred or million dollars. So it's kind of like the most insane, like handover of money imaginable by today's standards, especially, but even in 2010, it was kind of like, what? Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, you're given free reign when you just make billion dollar movies. Oh, oh for yeah, them. absolutely. <laughs> you know? yeah. And Dark Knight was one of the first to really like hit that billion mark in the biggest, baddest way. But as far as like original Nolan stuff, like I still prefer probably the Prestige over Tenant mm-hmm. or Inception as something I'd, I'd watch. Actually, I've rewatched Prestige many times compared to this. Compared really to this, good. So. Great movie. Or yeah. or even following. Yeah. Yeah, mine shows it shows up a little just a little later on my list. Um, it's quite the movie. Yep. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about it more. Oh. We skipped Zach, so Zach, is yours a repeat, number seven? Yes, my number seven is a repeat. It's The Town, or Boston. Yeah. Boston, the movie. Yeah, <laughs> Boston, the motion picture. So you got a wicked sweep there. Yeah, <laughs> it was freaking awesome. Dunkin' Donuts, the movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Fenway Frenzy. Did um, I ever tell you my Boston story? Have I ever told this story about how mean they are in Boston? So I, when my friend Brandon went to the University of New England, we flew into Boston because it was in Biddeford, Maine, which was only like forty minutes from downtown Boston. (laughs) So we flew into Boston, and when we were there, we walked the Freedom Trail, which if you're ever in Boston, you should really do. It's this trail of red brick that goes all throughout the city, and it takes you to important moments in American history, whether it's. Graveyards or Ben Franklin's house. Ben Affleck's birthplace. Ben Affleck's birthplace. (laughs) Um, So we go all the way to the U.S. Constitution, which is the end of it, and it's in Boston Harbor. And when we we get there, um, I have to take the subway back, and the subway is a dollar. And you go up to the subway dude, and he gives you a token that you put into the machine and whatever. So I get up there, and I give him a dollar, and he looks at me, he's like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> and, I, and I said, I need, a, I, I need a subway token. And he says, oh, I'm sorry. I left my crystal ball at home. And he gave me the token. It's your job. <laughs> but here's the thing. What else can you get from the subway token dispensing guy? Apparently, adult- attitude, man. Well, what nice. else can you get for a dollar from them? That, that's my Boston story. And, oh. about, 
and a, I, I I will have to confirm. I, I will have to confer this attitude with uh, Brandon, my partner out in New Hampshire, who's it, from Boston. Yeah. Um, it, it's definitely an East Coast thing. Oh, yeah. Were you wearing a Broncos jersey? Was, was no. Like, oh, he has fancy pants Denver guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got your mountains up there. They're really high. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you go hang out with your horses? Um. <laughs> Assholes never ride a train before. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I have a question. Would sure, you sure. think that Legally Blonde is a Boston movie? Oh, technically. I mean, yeah, but technically. How many accents are in Legally Blonde? And also, the accent in Legally Blonde that's most prevalent is not really. That, and Legally to Blonde it. isn't gritty enough, you know, like Celtic Pride. So I don't know if. Um, I'm just saying you know, earlier no, when Henry said that Boston movies has a 45% success rate, I'm assuming he's including Legally Blonde in that assessment. Uh, as someone who watched Legally Blonde three days ago, it is not a Boston movie. First <laughs> wow. Off. Uh, and if you told and if you were if you were in Boston and claimed that Legally Blonde was a Boston film, you would be killed. So, <laughs> okay, I'm glad I'm never going to Boston then. No, the town was like so. This is this is again another like three year gap after something pretty stellar happened for Affleck, where Gone Baby Gone is a surprise hit, um, and this time he puts himself in front of the camera while he directs. Um, I think he just made a very solid, like, bank robbing movie. Like, or, like, and it just... I I feel like Affleck does a good job at not... He's the lead actor in the movie, but I he does a great job at giving everybody in that movie room to shine. Um, and it's something that he do, ends up doing very well in Argo, too. Um, I, I was just kind of, like, blown back. Like, wow, there's a lot of efficiency here. He knows how to direct action. When... When they said, oh, Ben Affleck's going to direct a Batman movie, I'm like, oh, I've seen The Town. I know he can do this. Um, so and it was just another step for Affleck in that comeback trail that was so awesome to witness. And thankfully, he's on a, on a different like level keel now where he's healthy and making comeback. Um, but, you know, like it, it, it was just a fun time. It, I haven't rewatched it a bunch since it came out, but it still sticks in my mind. It's like, man, that was such a great Great watch in the theater. Jeremy Renner's fucking awesome in it. I like him in this more than I like him in the Hurt Locker. Um, and so yeah, this just uh, just a solid flick. And Pete Postlewaite's final movie, and he's good in it. Mm, he was also in the Inception, so. Uh yeah, but I think this actually was the last movie. Like one of the things they talked about was the fact that this was like the last thing he shot. Yeah. yeah. Who's your favorite new kid? Call me Joey. <laughs> That girl's like 15. Baby, please don't go. <laughs> I thought she was 36. By the way, oh. on the I, I haven't been on that trail in a while in Boston. Do they stop by the apartment in The Departed where the rat walks by? Because, you know, that's that's really the highlight of your Boston tour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right near the dome. <laughs> the, the, the cobblestone road <laughs> that leads to Ben uh, Ben Franklin's house and... This is where they shot The Departed. <laughs> this, is, this is where the rat went by. It's, 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 it's symbolism. It's, it's, it's for people who don't understand All right, the babies. All right, we get it. <laughs> James, number seven. The Elway number. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm just still thinking about how much it hurt to be beat over the head with that metaphor. Um, <laughs> yeah, my number seven, I felt bad about until now because I thought like, oh man, this is kind of a sweeper because this movie is so good. Ah, anyway, um, yeah, this movie's really good, and people should see it, and they should have seen it, so we could get a third one. Here's my number seven. 
What do you say? Tomorrow, you and I hit the arcade. First game's on me. Can we play doubles? On the same team? We're always on the same team. Good evening. Our lead story, Kevin Flynn was reported missing. The visionary icon and NCOM CEO skyrocketed to the top of the tech industry. He was last seen at home with his son, Sam, leaving behind an empire and a now orphan little boy. Sam, I was Paige last night. Paige came from your dad's office at the arcade. Alan, you're acting like I'm gonna find him sitting there working. Possibility. It's incredible. More beautiful than I ever dreamed. And more dangerous than I ever imagined. What happened? My creation turned against me. Heaven Flynn! Where are you now? What am I supposed to do? Survive. We have to get you out of here. Alka! There's a new world! Here they come! Alka! Yeah! Is our destiny. Uh, so yeah, my number seven is Tron Legacy. Um, it would deserve its spot on this list if only for the line "Biodigital Jazz." Uh, <laughs> this movie is this movie like it's it would be unfair to call it style over substance because that makes it sounds like sound like the substance isn't that great. It's just so much damn style that it is, I think, impossible to not be happy watching this movie because it's so beautiful um like every shot of this movie is cool and every choice that they made was cool um there's definitely some things like like going back it was such a great reboot um that i think like a sequel would have made this movie even better because you could have really dug in and given the 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 story that they're telling a bit more, um, more weight, you know, um, cause the actual story of the movie is a little bit like, okay, like whatever we, here's our sort of adventure. Um, and they do a decent job with like the father son stuff and like the, you know, digital genocide that's happening. Um, but, uh, but they could have taken it a whole lot further if they had gotten, you know, more movies, which was of course the idea. Um, and it's just a shame because every every choice here is so cool. Like 
the this the the, uh, the soundtrack to this movie is incredible. Um, everything is just uh, it just makes you happy to look at. Um, so yeah, I, Tron Legacy. Like what? What? Well, yeah, go watch this movie. I want to go watch this movie right now. Ugh. Yeah, it's a shame that like because it's I think at that point what a thirty year old movie, twenty five year old movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that that kind of sucks. That it does. Yeah, it, <laughs> like it deserves to have its mythology expanded, but because the studio is just like, do people even remember Tron? So we gotta like reboot and do the same story again, at least a little little bit and I, I think they did that maybe too much um where this need to move on and start expanding you know that universe yeah and it's, uh, it's so. one of those things where you i wonder like would they have been better off simply simply rebooting it and telling a story that wasn't really related to jeff bridges but then at the same time like everything jeff bridges does in this movie is awesome like every time he shows up in that white damn coat, he's so cool. Like, why would I ever want to change that? Like, I don't know. It's it's hard because um, I actually think the movie they made is really good. It's just like it's so good that it begs for a sequel. And I think too many people just thought like, oh, well, that was like a weird thing with with computers. I don't get it. Like it was a nerd thing. And I'm, they don't. You're missing it. And now my fear is that being you know, if it comes out in the next two years or something. Like that's twelve years since this one, so are they going to do the same shit again and be like, "Well, we got to remind people of like what Olivia Wilde's story was in the first one." Um, like, I think they'll just entirely skip the fact that there's Tron people running around in the real world now. They'll just do something. They'll just go back inside the grid again for some stupid reason. Um, oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Like, if they make the Jared Leto Tron movie, it's going to just be Tron Legacy, but again, and probably with a lot less heart because you're not going to have jeff bridges and you're not going to have the whole flynn connect like you're ju- you're basically at that point probably just going to reboot the original tron um which is not what i want uh what i want is lights everywhere yeah you don't you don't want corporate intrigue I, i'll def- i like the first tron but when i saw that they were doing this i scratched my head because i was like that seems like a risk you shouldn't take and <laughs> It kind of ended up technically being true, but I love watching this in 3D. This was a fun-ass time at the theater. Um, da- Daft Punk uh, showed up at the panel for it at Comic-Con, and Patton Oswalt was moderating it, and he just looked giddy as all hell that they were making a new Tron movie. It's like, so the, the anticipation around this and the delivery was just all blast, man. I remember going to see it, and I, I've never seen the original Tron and I think that there were some parts of it that I was confused by. So if they did, I mean, obviously you got to do a reboot, a soft reboot kind of a thing. But I guess they maybe should have clued these newer people into it a little bit better. Because I, I still don't remember the whole plot very well. Uh, uh, dad, dad disappears, gets lost in a computer. Son goes, gets him. It's fine. Well, We're good. That. I just meant more of like the intricacies of like who who is Clue and who yeah. is Sean and all this stuff. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, the, I was just gonna say there is a whole subplot about like please, digital bro, genocide that gets overlooked, you know. Or you say, Quinn? Oh, the the guy who plays Tron makes a cameo or something in the real world. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, kind kind of like 
all like in Tron, everyone kind of has like a digital version and a real version of themselves because they're like Avatar. Yeah. The Last Airbender? No, no, wait, wrong Avatar. Anywho, it is a really pretty movie, though. Yeah. Henry, you're going to say my head is the techno equivalent to Mad Max Fury Road, where it's like, yeah. There is a story there, but that's 100 not why anyone's going to see that movie. <laughs> it's to see like the crazy visuals and like the stunts that they do along the way. So, I think you've summed it up pretty well, Henry. Thank you. And Henry, your number seven film. My number seven film is the film that I thought Zach was referring to of Shutter Island. Um, it's another film made by another director that James hates, and uh, I will also say. That when I submitted the trailer to Brad, I rewatched it, and the trailer is so bad that I'm actually reconsidering if I like this film or not. And uh, yeah, so here it is. This is my younger brother. You gotta help oh me God. finish this. Taught him everything he knows. You don't know to see where this fight is headed. Turn on over. Bam. I'm still his trainer. I have a fight next week. And after I win, I'm gonna start making good money so you can live with me more days, okay? Good luck, Daddy. Don't hold your breath, Casey. Bye, baby. You pave streets, right? Yeah, I do. And I'm a fighter. I heard you were a stepping stone. Oh, I mean, I had a few tough fights, but the next fight's gonna show who I am. Yeah, and he's gonna lose that one, too. So move that sugar ass and give hey. him a drink. Don't disrespect her. Mickey Ward is 31 years old. He's here because he needs the money. Look at the size of that guy. He's got 20 pounds on me, Dickie. You don't fight, nobody gets paid. I'm quitting, Shelly. I'm done fighting. I don't need it anymore. It's sad that you let them take it away from you. I was embarrassed. I told everybody I was going to win that fight and get back on track. I'm sick of being a disappointment. Look, Mick, nobody's got heart like you. You're a very talented fighter. I want to give you a real shot. Make one last run at this thing before it's too late. What about my brother? He's taught me everything I know. I can't do it without him. Well, I'll do respect. He's too much trouble. Jackie, get on the ground right now! He's a fighter! Break his hand! Mick, I was doing it for you. You did right? it for me? Remember what, yes? Do me a I'll favor. Don't do nothing for me huh? no more, okay? Ready for a title shot? Not a stepping stone anymore. He's using you. You can't be me. You had a hard enough time being you, and that's why you're in here. We're gonna train, they gotta go. Why am I the problem? I'm his blood, I'm his family. You're crazy. I'm the one fighting. Not you, not you, and not you. This is my shot at the title. I won't get another one after this. Mickey has a chance to do something that I never did, and he needs me. Okay. I'll see you in Mickey's corner. This is your time. I had my come in my blue. You don't have to. You're Mickey Ward. You're Mickey Ward. Uh, so yeah, my uh, number seven film is The Fighter, which uh, admittedly I've not seen in a long time. But I remember really liking it when it came out. I, uh, I will admit that David Russell is not a director that I particularly like. Uh, but I highly enjoy this film, uh, also because I just love boxing and sports films in general. Uh, but, uh, yeah, The Fighter. Everyone in it's good. Well, I mean, everyone in it's good, and Mark Wahlberg is also there. And so, uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. Listen, if you like a good boxing film, 
There's pot- potentially this is one of them. This and is so, another. <laughs> but uh, yeah, my number seven film is The Fighter. Henry, have you seen Rocky? <laughs> I mean, Rocky didn't come out in 2010. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I remember liking this film a lot when it came out. And Bale's great in it. And I had high stakes with Melissa Leo getting an Oscar because I'm like, that means Red State's going to sell even better next year. <laughs> Corinne, number six. My number six is the film I accidentally introduced earlier, so here it is. Did you get a job yet? No, but I have feelers out. Lots. So you're a fan of our morning program? How many yeah, yeah, we know it's terrible. Coming up tomorrow, we'll show you what to do with those shampoo bottles with just an inch of shampoo left. Uh-huh. Daybreak's understaffed, underfunded. Any producer who works there will be publicly ridiculed, overworked, on the pay. Awful. I'll take it. I'd like to offer you the position of co-host of Daybreak. After the career that I've had. <laughs> Is he going to cook? Is he going to do fashion segments and gossip? Not my thing. You happen to be a pretentious, fatuous idiot. A fatuous idiot who makes three times what you make. So now is an excellent time for you to take up drinking. What's going on now? Mike is offended by a word in the next story. It's about Easter chicks. I'm not saying the word fluffy. Interesting. Jerry hired you. No polish, no pedigree. <laughs> Tomorrow, Colleen will make the British classic bangers and mash. Because you refuse to do it, Mike. Now that, and it's tough to get between you and a sausage. It wasn't that bad. How reliable is your alarm clock? You want to make the ratings worse? That's why you came here? Try not to bore the nation into a coma with your dull news crap. Suck it. Mike! No one can do their jobs around here well, because you can't be bothered to do yours at all! And we're back. Welcome back to Daybreak. It's only my job. It's not my whole life. Take what you want. That's a little, that's wrong. Do it again. So my number six is Morning Glory, which is a movie about Rachel McAdams, who becomes the executive producer of this uh, TV morning news show called Daybreak. Um, It's on, (laughs) the network is called IBS. And the joke, (laughs) I know, the joke is like, they are um, the bottom of the barrel. Like they're the last place network. They have to compete with all the other, you know, the Today Show and all this stuff. They bring Rachel McAdams in. She's just this up-and-comer, and she thinks she can turn it around. And she just – it's just a – it's a great ride. And uh, Harrison Ford comes back as the – like, he's this very serious, like, Tom Brokaw sort of person um, that he was, like, very – he's a very serious news guy. And he thinks it's beneath him to be on a morning news show. Um, <laughs> and uh, the character arc that, that he goes on and that Rachel McAdams' character goes on is really nice. And they have this great moment uh, toward the end of the film where he's telling her about like the toll that 
his life as a journalist has taken on him on like his personal life. And he's like, I'm, you know, I'm taking every call. I'm looking at the TV out of the corner of my eye. Why am I telling you you're worse than me? And um, it's just a great, a great scene between those two. And um, the, the line in the trailer about how he won't say the word fluffy because he thinks it's too ridiculous. Um, that has a great moment that comes back later uh, in like the final big moment of the film. And it's a great movie and it, it all comes together at the end really nicely. So my number six is Morning Glory. It's much more adorable than I thought it would be from the trailer when I when it first came out. Yeah, the trailer makes it out to be like really, really cheesy, and it's only like kind of cheesy. Like it's definitely still cheesy, but the the trailer makes it seem like a hundred, and it's more like a fifteen. So it's not dangerously cheesy. <laughs> no, you just kind of have to be in the mood for it. But it's a great movie. And overlooked. It does not get talked about often enough, I think. My number six is a movie that has a little bit of everything. Um, It has action, romance, violence, and celery. Load it up. He's the world's deadliest villain. Move a bit to your left, please. Sir. He's cunning. Hang that in the foyer. And smart. Straight flush. Damn it! I'm going to turn Washington, D.C. into a pile of ash. He is Dieter von Kampf. And until now, he's been unstoppable. What the world needs is a hero. He was former Navy SEAL, Army Ranger, and Green Beret. Served six stores in Desert Storm, four in Bosnia. He's so top secret, we don't even know his first name. Hello, MacGruber. Now, MacGruber's putting together his team. I'm putting together a team. It's filled with American heroes with over 100 years of combined combat experience and a whole lot of brotherhood. Vicky St. Elmo. Hi. The master of disguise. Don't worry, this is just like Nicaragua. I got shot in Nicaragua. This is nothing like Nicaragua. Lieutenant Dixon Piper, the human shield. Piper! How did you know I was wearing a bulletproof vest? You're wearing a bulletproof vest? Awesome. Dig, 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 dig. On May 21st. I'm a virgin. Not for long. MacGruber and his team will rid the world of cunt once and for all. Your companion's a very beautiful young woman. Thank you. Hope you enjoy being date raped, ma'am. This is my daughter. Ah, shit! Get ready. Okay, don't worry, we got your back. We're only seven blocks away, so if anything goes down... Seven blocks? Okay, you got me, about 20 blocks. For the best action. Just do exactly as I say. I mean comedy. My teammates are getting shot. They're alive. Thank you. Uh, no, I mean action. I mean action comedy of the decade. If Rippin' Throats gets that warhead back, I'll suck as many dicks as I've got, uh, rip as many throats as I have to. Let's move. Just leave it alone, cause the ball is bad news. McGruber, the bomb! The fuck is this? You can defuse it, right? Are you kidding me? Look at all this crap. It's like a million wires in here. More like a three-wire guy. McGruber, coming to save the world May 21st. I just took an upper decker in the master bathroom. Upper decker? Yes, where you take a shit in the water tank and not in the bowl. You look great. Can we stop the uh, explosion and rewatch the movie now? <laughs> Brad and I's number six is McGruber. Um... 
which I've appreciated for 10 years, but it seems like it's starting to catch on of the brilliant film that it is. Yeah, it didn't make my list the first time around, but uh, 10 years later, it's uh, my number six. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's so stupid, but everybody is on board with how stupid it is. And that's what makes it great. And, you know, even Val Kilmer as the bad guy in it. Everybody gets the joke. Yeah, and it's it's just really... It's a movie you need to watch multiple times to catch all the jokes because it goes by so fast. And, you know, Ryan Felipe doesn't get a lot of praise in it, but to be the straight guy in a movie where everybody else is just out of control is pretty great. And, I mean, Powers Booth is great in it. Um yeah, it's just a fun movie. Yeah, and a lot like filthier than an SNL sketch. <laughs> yeah, you know, just I mean, it's like silly things where you know they're at the poker game and uh, Val Kilmer's character says, "Yeah, I got this team together, then I accidentally blew them all up." <laughs> no shit, because I did that too. <laughs> no, I didn't do that because I'm not a fucking idiot. <laughs> and then like has that running gag where the guy cuts him off in traffic, and <laughs> yeah. then for the rest of the movie, McGruber's like. Oh, it's Remembering his license plate. His yeah. fucking journal. Yeah. His drawings him taking a I, shit on it. I was reading and making of it. I don't know if it's on the Hollywood Reporter in Variety. And um, Will Forte is the one who made the whole journal. <laughs> like, he actually took the time to do it. Um, <laughs> it's just it's just an out-of-control movie. Yeah, I guess it's not just us because they're making a TV series, I guess. I know. Uh, for streaming. Yeah, so. on the Peacock Network. I suck your fucking dick. <laughs> you just tell me what to fucking suck and I'll do it. <laughs> just tell me what you want me to fuck. <laughs> that was quite the eulogy you gave him, MacGruber. <laughs> you could have done without so many efforts. Well, it's a fucking bullshit day. <laughs> You're a fucking asshole of a day. <laughs> there was kids there. They laughed. <laughs> Anyways, MacGruber. You should watch it. It's more funny than me reciting it. I like your double entendres, so I keep saying it. <laughs> classic Mugruber. <laughs> it's a classic. Yep. Ah, uh, Zach, you're number six. A right, uh, great choice, by the way, Brad. Oh, you um, too. Yeah. I'm glad we're so in sync yeah. this year. I think we have the best lists. Well, easily. Because ours doesn't have Shutter Island on it, so we're pretty set. No, but uh, you're, you you definitely swept me for Mugruber. Did I really? Oh yeah. Oh nice. Um, but my number six is a film that um. I had zero expectations of and walked out of the theater going, holy crap, that was a hell of a movie. Way to go, James Wan. Are you ready? Yeah. Sweetie? Morning, guys. <laughs> 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 He's not in a coma. They don't know what to call it. Readings of the whole house, wiring, alarm clocks. 
I don't think bad wiring is the problem here. I want to leave. I want to leave this house. What is it? It's not the house that's haunted. It's your son. So yeah, my number six is Insidious is Insidious is Insidious is this fucking trailer. So the trailer came out at our theater on uh, like a like a few months prior to the movie coming out. And I looked at the trailer and I was like, this looks silly. But what got me hooked into it was like, oh, James Wan's back. I liked Dead Silence. I know nobody else liked it. And that's, that's fine. Right. Yes, it's fun. It's It's silly ventriloquist stuff and I love it. Um, but the, uh, when you, when I walked into the film, I had kind of forgotten the trailer, thankfully. So I forgot that tagline, uh, where the house, it's not the house that's haunted Ryan. I don't know if you know this. Yes. Um, but, um, so I walked in pretty blank with me and two, uh, two, two people I was hanging out with in film school and we had a fucking ball from the moment that that string kick, that string music kicks in with the font looking like it came out of like the late seventies, early eighties. Um, and then really kind of embracing a uh, handheld kind of approach to a haunted house movie that isn't, you know, found footage and stuff like it's traditional narrative technique. Um, and I just appreciated the confidence that that is exuded behind it. Like this is where you start seeing James Wan executing what he's then going to perfect in something like The Conjuring. And I actually argue that this sometimes does it better than The Conjuring does where things are happening in the background you're not really paying attention to them until you're absolutely needing to pay attention to them or they're building up the suspense in that background and like it, it takes you by surprise and i appreciated the fact that it was not a haunted house it was a haunted person following them house to house the astral projection the further all the ideas on it that lee wano put in the script are very very clever and a lot of fun to deal with like i actually like I like chapter two and I liked chapter three. I still haven't seen the last key, but like it's a franchise that I would revisit. And part of that is also Lynn fucking Shay is awesome in this movie. I'm ha when I saw her in the movie, I had not recognized her. And then I'd go back and watch a nightmare on Elm street documentary. Like, Oh yeah, Lynn Shay. She's been around the block multiple times. It's nice to see her have her own like <laughs> thing in the, in the horror world. That's not attached to her brother. Um, so, and I think, I think everybody in the cast kills it. Like Barbara Hershey, even like she only has like a couple moments, but she is given great stuff to do with what she has. Um, and rewatching it the other night, the, the seance ish scene where she has to put on that mask and she's talking through very low tone, uh, with Lee Wannell translating it is super tense. It's still super effective. Um, the traveling through the further still works. This is a fun-ass movie. So, yeah, Insidious. It's a good one. Yeah. The ending is great. Yep. And it, it's better, way better than Shutter Island. That's why it's higher. <laughs> Barbara Hershey deserves to be in more things. I agree. Have you seen The Entity, Corinne? <laughs> no, I don't even know what that is. Um, 
Well, now comes the part, do I recommend the entity to Corinne? I'm going to say no, Corinne, because I know what happens in the entity. Do not do that. <laughs> not pleasant. <laughs> James, number six, my friend. Um, so my number six is a movie that, uh, I don't know, it seemed like it might be cool, and I went to see it sort of on a whim um, and decided, you know, why, why not? How about, how about go see it in 3D? Maybe that'll be cool. Uh, set the bar for really how good 3D for me could actually be. But more than that, um, this movie is so well done and so touching and such a great story that when they got around to making the third one, the trailer for the third one made me cry just for reminding me how good the end of this movie is. Uh, so here's my number six. Welcome to Dragon Training. Today, you will learn to fight dragons. Pain. Love it. Let's get started! You should come by sometime to work out. You look like you work out. I guess it's just you and me, huh? No, just you. Huh? Focus, Hiccup! Can I transfer to the class with the cool Vikings? <laughs> Has anyone ever tried to train a dragon? No one's ever lived to tell the tale. It's okay. I'm not gonna hurt you. Let's see if this works. We're gonna take this nice and slow. Come on, buddy. Come on, buddy. Whoa! Yeah! <gasps> Get down! Oh! It's okay. You just scared him. I scared him? Everything we know about them is wrong. Let me show you. Either we finish them, or they'll finish us. Fire! We don't have to fight them. Whoa. Cool. Go, baby! No matter how this ends, it ends today. What are you going to do? Something crazy. I'm in. Me too. Sign me up. I love this plan. Go. Train your dragon. Ha! It's like the size of my. Oh! Get it off! In 3D. Yeah, so uh, my number six is How to Train Your Dragon. Um, and I, I think, first off, it's really important for us to remember that at the time this movie came out, um, I'm. I'm not sure that anyone else, like I wasn't convinced anyone else could, anyone other than Pixar and Disney could make a good animated movie. I wasn't even sure that anyone other than Pixar and, and Disney were even trying. Um, this is the same year that Despicable Me came out, which is a, a god awful piece of shit. Um, and <laughs> you know, we'd we'd spent like ten years with people just like cranking out animated films like over the hedge and and surfs up and like the stuff that's just, it's just like fodder like it's not it's it is not great it's not offensive except for despicable me um it's just meh 
you know? Um, and so How to Train Your Dragon comes along and it is like a light in the darkness. There was this, like, you know, I went from thinking that that Pixar and Disney were going to control the future of children's entertainment because they were the only ones who could tell a story. Um, and How to Train Your Dragon, like, is is the DreamWorks animation that I remembered from like your Prince of Egypt days. Like this was somebody actually trying to make a really good story. That's funny and heartwarming. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, technically they had to go like steal it from a book to actually get a good idea. Um, but still like, it was really encouraging that they knew how to structure a film for once uh, and do something that wasn't like, this isn't a movie that needs a scene where a bunch of characters like sit around and dance to a pop song in order to like distract the kids. <laughs> um, you know, we didn't need to ruin it with a whole bunch of like garbage and, and, uh, and just filler. Um, the end of this movie is so touching. Um, like I, I remember being in the theater and and thinking like this is a really great, well done movie. And then Hiccup wakes up at the end. And I, I don't want to spoil it because it's so good, but what has happened to them and and the little reveal there at the end of this connection between him and his dragon um is handled so well that I was ruined. Um, like I, I wept then. And then just as I said, it's so good that two films later when like the franchise is good, but is not as good as that first film still just the trailer for three made me cry just watching the trailer because it's so good. Um, and that's not to say that how to train your dragon three is bad. It's, it's not, they're really all of all three of them are great. Um, but how to train your dragon one is special. Um, and it's really a shame that this is the same year that, I mean, I'm not going to beat around the bush. It's really a shame that this is the same year that Toy Story 3 came out, a movie that I wept for 25 minutes during in a theater between two children who were looking at me like, what the fuck is wrong with you, old man? Like, we're the kids. Why are you crying at this movie? Um, because how you to Train Your Dragon... Yeah, like I remember arguing that How to Train Your Dragon should have gotten the Oscar that year because it is so well done. Um, that, this movie is great. Like, uh, it is what I want from a kid's movie always. Um, so yeah, How to Train Your Dragon, number six. You know, I I, I, I didn't see them when they, uh, the first one when it came out. Because uh, you don't listen to me. Well, no, I've, no, I, no, I've, <laughs> no I eventually did uh, because um, I have a little boy and... Of course, he loves dragons and dinosaurs. So, you know, I put this in one day and he loved it. In fact, there's a couple movies lately um, that he has asked me to go see. And How to Train Your Dragons 3 was one of them. And so he loves the world, too. And uh, it is it's a it's a well-made film. Yeah. It's a stream. Uh, yeah. It's so low on James's list then. I mean, it's not on my list, so it's not that much of a shame. No, but it was a surprise. <laughs> That's really good, and everything above it is um better. Yeah. It it, it it was a surprise of a film and and you know, James is correct that there is this period of Dreamworks that is 
that I would have loved when I, that I loved when I was younger, and I look back on it now, and I'm like, no, that was garbage. And actually, James, I want you to now do a hour and thirty minute review of B movie because I really need that in my life right now. I need that amount of negativity in my life. Yeah, like when you remember the movies that were happening before this time, like B movie yeah. and Over the Hedge, and like all those films that are just right. like they're not all, like I saw Over the Hedge in theaters. Okay, it's it's okay. But it, uh, it it's not good. Like no one should remember. No one should own over the hedge and show it to their children now. There's plenty of other bullshit you could show your kid now. Like it it's just fine if you wanted to take your kid to the movie that day. Like that's what that movie was for. Yeah. How to Train Your Dragon is the kind of movie you want to show your kid because it teaches them something that makes them better as a human being when they get older. Like that's a that's a marketably different kind of film. Don't so go my number six film is also How to Train Your Dragon, and I watched it as a DreamWorks fan. Um, but uh, I liked it because of the dragons. And my number <laughs> six film. So you're a lot like Kellen. <laughs> Corinne, number five. Oh, wait, no, Henry, sorry, yours must be a repeat. The, the, no, the, it's How to Train Your Dragon. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. I was going to ask, like, Henry, do you have thoughts on How to Train <laughs> <Yeah>. Your Dragon? <laughs> Oh, I just said my number six is How I Train Your Dragon because I'm a big DreamWorks fan, um, and uh, I like dragons, so that's my number. My number six is How I Train. <laughs> All right, uh, Corinne, number five, not four, five. Yeah, I know, Ryan. All right, my number five is also an underrated movie about a female TV journalist who has to deal with a bunch of asshole men. I've always believed that destiny chooses our path in life. Here is your sidekick. And here is your pinky. You are destined for... Destined for what? I didn't quite hear that last part. They came to our world together. But they were destined... Our baby can fly. Yes, yes, nothing but the best for you, darling. To take different paths. Can we keep it? One would be cheer. Happy Metro Man Day, Metro City. I love you, Metro Man! And I love you, random citizen. While the other... Table for two... ...was feared. What? What? Ah! Ah! But on November 5th... A new threat has come to Metro City. Consider yourselves under new management. And Metro Man is nowhere to be found. He'll destroy the whole city. I'm sorry. I'm finally free to get in touch with my true power. Making awesome music. You're kidding, right? When the world needs a hero. You need to be that guy. Well, this is a strange turn of events. He will answer the call. Hello. Uh, it's hello. Oh. Hello? Like that? And the superhero movie. Just a few alterations and I will be done with your cake. I'm calling it... The Black Mamba. We'll never be the same. Let the showdown begin! Will Ferrell. Where did you park the invisible... Car! Tina Fey. What's the plan? It mostly involves... Dying. That's a good plan. I like that plan. Jonah Hill. Ah, quick, the spray. Ah. All out. Well, use the forget me stick. Oh, right. 
I think it's working. And Brad Pitt. Check this out. I have eyes that can see right through lead. Huh? Ah! DreamWorks Mega Mind in 3D. Do you have your disguise? What? Oh, you look fantastic. Okay, so my number five is Megamind, and apparently James doesn't like this movie. No, this one's not that bad. I watch this a lot on cable with my family, and it's to the point where we say Olo now, because that's a line from the movie. Megamind answers the phone, he says Olo instead of hello. Um, It's a very subversive movie. It has a lot of uh, parody elements of other superhero films. At one point, Megamind plays a Marlon Brando-esque type character who's supposed to be like the uh, Jor-El to uh, Hal's Kal-El Superman type of persona. Um, it's really funny. There's a lot of great jokes in it. And I, I think it actually has a lot of interesting character work between Metro Man, Megamind, Roxanne and Hal, who ends up being the main villain of the movie. Um, there's an ac- excellent um, video essay about it by Shay Frillis on YouTube. I highly re- recommend everybody go check it out. But um, it does make a lot of interesting points about uh, nature versus nurture and how Megamind was always someone who was good at heart but he became bad because he was never given a chance to be good and everyone expected him to be evil possibly because people are racist against blue people um but it's it's an excellent movie and i don't it's kind of getting like a little bit of a cult following but i think it deserves like a lot more praise than it gets uh the animation's fantastic the voice cast is great uh will ferrell does a great job as Megamind and again I don't think this movie gets talked about enough so that's one of the reasons I wanted to put it on my list that and it's an excellent movie so my number five is Megamind and the whole time you're talking about I'm like meh mind (laughs) I get to talk about it just you don't have my voice so you can't pull off the Zach joke (laughs) I know without the Zach inflection in the tone I think you need to revisit this movie and give it a chance meh mind (laughs) okay fine this is the best movie made by Tom McGrath (laughs) ringing endorsement uh you know before we go to mine Henry you say you love DreamWorks do you love Megamind Hell yeah, I do. Specifically, my favorite film is Over the Edge, ironically. Um, but, um, you were um, not. Yeah, Megamind's great. I think it's somewhere in my top 25. Um, 24. It's 24. Nice. It made yeah, it. Made it. I like it. Um, my, my next film is probably going to piss a lot of people off that it's this low, but I think it's about right. Um, it's about a billionaire prick.
something substantial in order to get the attention of the clubs. Why? Because they're exclusive and fun, and they lead to a better life. People want to go on the internet and check out their friends, so why not build a website that offers that friends, pictures, profiles? I'm talking about taking the entire social experience of college and putting it online. The site got 2,200 hits within two hours? Thousand. 22,000. This idea is potentially worth millions of dollars. Millions? You stole our website. They're saying we stole the Facebook. I know what it said. So did we? A million dollars isn't cool. You know what's cool? A billion dollars. You're going to get left behind. It's moving faster than any of us ever imagined it would behind. Let's sue him in federal court. I can't wait to stand over your shoulder and what you write as a check. If you guys were the inventors of Facebook, you'd invent the Facebook. Is there anything that you need to tell me? Your actions could have permanently destroyed everything I've been working on. We have been working on Did you like being a joke? Do you want to go back to that? Mark! This is our time. Of intentionally breaching security, violating copyrights, violating individual privacy. Your best friend is suing you for $600 million. As for the charges, I believe I deserve some recognition from this board. Uh, I'm sorry? Yes. I don't understand. Which part? My number five is the social network. Yeah, that's uh, fine. Whatever, Ryan. <laughs> uh, with uh, a great writer and a great director making a great film. Hell yeah. Um, I think even now this film is really timely um, about the powers of Facebook and how um, it can uh, get into your life and make you think things. Um, Jesse Eisenberg is great in the movie. The, the scene with him and Rooney Mara at the beginning is awesome and it's a it's an expert class in writing and delivery of lines and shooting two people talking that still make it incredibly interesting. Um, and you know, at the time this is it too soon to have a Facebook movie and no, it's not. And you, you look at it and you realize that Facebook has only been a part of your life for 17 years since it was inception. I don't know when, it, I mean, I think I'm 11 years on Facebook, 12 years. I don't remember. I joined in 07. Yeah, so I, maybe I, 13. I don't remember. And when I heard they were making it, I was like, there's no way that this could be any good. But then you see Fincher and Sorkin attached. You're like, well, well okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm... <laughs> well, it's like Facebook like rose to like popularity in 2007. So three years later, it gets a movie made about it. Yeah. Like, that's pretty wild. Yeah, and it's so ingrained in your life. And, you know, it starts as something uh, just as way for college kids to connect with each other mm. and what it is now is really incredible and yeah it's it's a great movie and uh, uh, i'm sure people will say why it's a great movie later too oh i'm sure they will well, i'm sure they will by him i'm sure they will <laughs> i just want eisenberg <laughs> i just want some recognition on me sweeping so early oh yeah i'm i'm surprised this is even on your list yeah, it's really good. Yep. I'm sorry, Brian. I didn't understand. Which part? <laughs> uh, Brad, number five. Uh, my number five is a uh, movie I saw at the uh, Esquire Midnights, and it is a lot of fun, and here it is. I'm standing here with some of Oakdale's finest detectives, Jason Rogers, Duncan Wheeler, and Charlie Day, collectively called the Mystery Group. It's Mystery Team. Mystery team, okay? Mystery team. 
People used to call us heroes. I mean, look how big my magnifying glass is. <laughs> Your head's big. We're the mystery team. My name's Jason, the master of the skies. Hi, my name's Sammy. I'm Duncan, the boy genius. We should thank the hobo so he doesn't put a curse on us. And I'm Charlie, the strongest kid in town. Ow! Can you stop staring at us in the halls? It's creepy. Why do you guys dress like that? That's a dumbass haircut. There go three virgins. Hi, are you the mystery team? What can we do for you, ma'am? Just fill out this form real quick. Can you find out who killed my parents? The mystery team doesn't solve murders. We won't tell the police. Oh no, now you're starting to sound like Dad. I don't know, Jason. According to his shirt, he has no fear. This is it. You have to be more convincing than you've ever been before. You smell like urine. Dog urine. You're the guy who puts milk in his butt. Are we not just taking off clothes? A murderer shoved a gun in my face. I know, and I appreciate that. Two dead bodies, that's my limit. I'm finishing this case. Where did you find this? It's a long story. No, it's not. A stripper peed it into a toilet. Hey! Shut up. So yeah, Mystery Team's technically a 2009 movie because that was the official release, but it didn't make it to Denver until 2010. Ooh, technicalities. So uh, it's a lot of fun. It's about uh, three kids who has, uh, uh, grew up doing like a neighborhood detective agency, and they're ready to go off to college now, and some of them are ready to move on, and one of them isn't. Um, so a little bit of a super bad element there. Um uh yeah they they uh they they usually solve like small mysteries but this one's uh they, they're hired to solve a murder um and it's just a fun it's fun to watch these kids like stumble through this mystery and uh uh wander around town kind of airing their problems with each other and also trying to solve the case uh yeah, it's just a really fun comedy. You get an eight ball. Do we really need eight balls? No, let's treat ourselves. <laughs> yeah, and how it's really fun, like how childish and naive they, they really still are. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when they're dealing with drug dealers and yep. murderers. Um, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. There's um, uh, so Maddie O'Connor, who's been on the show before. When we were in film school, he was doing a boy detective short film called Maddie Voyage. Um, with Spencer's younger brother playing the kid detective, and this was a movie he showed me prior to production to help me understand what he was going for. So it, it, was, it was a fun blast of a time. So. Yeah. There's actually a, a, a movie came out this week called The Kid Detective that I watched. Yeah. If this has been a regular uh, week's episode. Um, and it's like this movie without the team. Right. Um, so it's like a solo, and it's darker, mm. um, more way darker humor than some of the stuff is in here, but you should check that out too. Um, that might end up on my 2019 list or 2020 list. Sweet. Try to forget 2020. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted to go away. So yeah, mystery team. That's my number five. Zach, your number five is a repeat. My number five is, but <laughs> so only off by one. Um, I Classic have, sweep. <laughs> so if I'm remembering my 2010 film explosion or my 2010 list from, the year 2010 correctly this was not on the list 
However, this was something I still loved. We, me and my friends got to see this early um, at CU Boulder. They had like one of those free, like those screening tickets you hung, hang out and you wait in the line. Um, and we got in and it was a, uh, it, it was a fun time sitting down watching this hilarious SNL movie. This is an SNL movie, um, which an R-rated SNL movie. I think this is one of the few that exist, if if, if not the only one. You even pay for it? No wonder it tanked. Um, <laughs> here, so <laughs> your fault. So let me finish. Uh, after the screening, uh, they brought out Yorma Taconi, Will Forte, Ryan Phillippe, and the DP to give a Q and A. Me and my friends got to go down and uh, meet Yorma Taconi and Will Forte, and um, I don't think any of us went up to Ryan Phillippe. Did you each give each of them ten bucks? Uh, no, we did not. <laughs> um, but my di- my friend did get on one knee and propose to Will Forte. Um, and I, if I were to, oh my god, that's so cute. If I were to, t- <laughs> if I were to text him, I might be able to still get that picture. But I have the pic. I found the picture of me with Will Forte. I believe you. And you could see this. You could see my hair looks like shit. Um, but uh, uh. And then when it came to my theater, I went back and I actually ended up paying for me and a friend to go because I couldn't, for whatever reason, I couldn't get my free ticket that day. Um, so I went again multiple times. We you were tried going... to not pay for it again. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing, though. When I was going back, though, empty theater for that first weekend, we shoved it into theater, like one of our smallest theaters the next week, and then it was gone. We lost it within two weeks. It's it's a shame. The movie's hilarious. The friend that I took to see it when I did pay didn't get it. And I said, well, you're crazy. Um, and I've spent 10 years appreciating that film. And I think when Ryan and I were chatting about it via text uh, prior to us doing a retro episode about it was when I was like, God damn it, this is supplanting. This is making it high on my film explosion list because <laughs> the memories of this film are so strong that it can't not be here. Um, so, yeah, it MacGruber like. Oh, God. That, your God can't help you, but I can. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> oh, I would have to know how to remove this device. Weak! <laughs> uh, James, your number five is a repeat as well. It is. Uh, my number five is Inception. Because uh, that movie's great and really cool. I The one thing I, I do want to add is this is one of the first movies I can remember uh, watching with Ryan in Denver. Um, I think it came out in the summer. I was home for the summer before my last year of college, I think. Uh, so this would have been like the summer before we started the podcast. Um, and yeah, I drove out to Colorado Mills to go watch it. Uh, I think at a midnight or something. Like I just remember it being like crazy late when we got done with it. Um, but leaving the theater, it was this uh, like not uncomfortable like you were just so shocked by what you had just seen because like the idea was so big and cool it was such a great science fiction film and then with a budget that that just you you didn't ever get to see that i mean that whole opening sequence with the with the the building that sort of floods from the inside like you as a science fiction film with that kind of idea you just wouldn't get that budget today unless you're chris nolan um I mean, it, it was just unbelievable um, and a really well-told story that had great, um, great, you know, tension and heartwarming parts to it. And yeah, it's just really good. Well, you could easily argue best film of the year. Um, 
but here it's my number five. So I guess not. <laughs> and then you whispered in Ryan's ear, we should start a podcast. And I was like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe someday. Maybe and then years someday. later. Here we are. Ten years later. Almost. Uh, Henry, you're number five. All right. My number five uh, is, in my opinion, uh, probably the best kung fu, one of, a film from one of the best kung fu franchises in the past 20 years. And uh, yeah, number five is... sequel to it man uh both these films i think are great it goes downhill after this but uh, <laughs> uh man one and two is great uh this film is about uh, uh historical wise we don't know the story uh it man is the guy who trained bruce lee uh historically he's a real guy that existed uh as far as i know i don't know if this story happened but um it's basically this british boxer comes to uh uh i think it's hong kong that takes place uh, and is like, hey, uh, I hate all Chinese people, so I'll just beat all of you up, and It Man 2 is not going to take that. And so uh, a fight happens between the two of them, and that's the plot of this film. So. Yeah, Andrew Bueno got me into the Ip Man movies. They are a lot of fucking fun. The choreography is incredible. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I legitimately think that no other Kung Fu martial arts film in the past 20 years even comes close to this franchise. And so, Agreed. Yeah, my number five film, Ip Man 2. Corinne, number four. All right, well, to quote Zach in another film explosion, this is a movie that James has to shut up when I talk about it. Oh, 
Supervillain isn't easy. We stole the Statue of Liberty, the small one from Las Vegas. He has to control Listen up, please. an army of minions. Dave? He has to outsmart a ruthless archenemy. He shrinks, right? I hate that guy. And he's about to inherit... Hello? ...three small problems. You will not cry or sneeze or barp or fart. No annoying sounds. Does this count as annoying? <sighs> Fight it now! From Universal Pictures... We are going to pull off the true cry of the century. We are going to steal the moon! And Chris Melodondri, executive producer of Ice Age and Horton Hears a Who. I shrink the moon, I grab the moon, I sit on the toilet. With what? <laughs> You're funny. No! <laughs> By the time I'm done with Groot, he's going to be begging for mercy. No! We have to warn him. And fast! summer just because he's a bad guy doesn't mean he's a bad guy three little kittens started to yawn now make them drink the milk wow this is garbage you actually like this despicable me in eye-popping 3d All you gotta do is knock down that spaceship there. Aww. Oh, somebody's got a frowny face. Okay, my turn. Knocked over! It's so fluffy! This big This big This big This This Despicable Me. My number four is Despicable Me. And apparently this movie is maligned a lot on this podcast, but I'm here to bring it up uh, because this movie has a lot of heart to it and it is the best film that Illumination's ever made. The sequels are not very good. The spinoffs are not very good, but this movie is good. Um, I've watched this a lot with my family. We always have a great time quoting it. I rewatched it recently with my boyfriend we had a fun time watching it and quoting it too. It's, um, I just love the story of Gru and his transformation and how he ends up adopting the girls at the end and becoming a dad to them. And, you know, I, I just feel like we don't get a lot of stories about kids who are adopted, especially kids who are adopted by single dads. And this is a movie that fills that niche in my heart that I never knew I needed filled. And it's uh, it's got some funny moments to it. The minions are not super annoying in this one as they are in the later films. But it's a, it's a fun movie. And I have fun with Despicable Me. Cool. Uh, my... <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, uh, thanks, Corinne, for bringing that movie to our attention. Uh, I would agree with you, Corinne, about something, but I am not allowed to talk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, my number four is a repeat. It is Inception. Um, along the lines of James, is it is a fun movie. Uh, I, I rewatched it in 4K, and it's pretty impressive in 4K. Uh, the sound and obviously how it's made. Uh, Christopher Nolan knows how to make large-scale stuff and make it fun. Um, yeah, Inception. Number four was my number one film in the original uh, oh, wow. film no. school. No, your original was Harry Potter, wasn't it? I don't think so. I think so because isn't this the year of the last one? No, this is the. This is the. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Okay. Um. So yeah. Um. Inception. It's a good movie. It's Leo's best movie from this year. Leo. Yep. Brad, number four? Uh, my number four is questionable whether it's a movie or not. This isn't the best idea ever. <laughs> when Time Magazine called 3D the future of movies. Yeah! Three, two, one! We doubt this is what they had in mind. Taking it to a whole other level. Yep. Look pretty happy about it. Me and the boys are about to do a little duck hunting. I did have a couple last night, so uh, this ain't going to feel too good. How much? How you been? High five! Yeah, my number four is Jackass 3D. Oh yeah, uh, still one of the best 3D movies I've ever seen. Yep. Um, and yeah, it's is it? It has no narrative. Um, it's not really a docu. Like it's, it's sort of a documentary. <laughs> it's documenting be, yeah, people sure. doing stupid shit. It doesn't need to do any of those other things. It just needs. From to now exist. on, it's a documentary. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I was talking to Brad over the trailer that I always remember in 3D the flying dildo. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the greatest 3D effect in a film of all time. The shit volcano. The fucking. Yeah, like oh all the God. gags are designed to utilize the phantom cam slow-mo and the 3D experience. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I'll never get to enjoy the 3D experience again. Um. But yeah, even the slow mo was great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all the gags were designed for those things. Um, they didn't make my list, but we saw the trailer for this. Me and my friends were just like, I, because I wasn't really jackass attuned until I saw the trailer for this movie, and I was like, this looks like fucking ridiculous shit. And then I ended up watching the first two jackasses because of this. So yeah, it's they're interesting movies to say the fucking least. But this is my favorite of them. Yeah. And it's funny going back and watching like the first one and mm-hmm. how tame some of those oh, gags yeah. actually are. Um, I think this one utilizes the best of everything they've done. So, um, and it's too bad Ryan Dunn. They probably would have had two more since then. Yeah. So, it's kind of weird seeing Bam 
um, and laughing at him and Uncle Phil a little bit in the trailer because he's going through some issues right now too. So oh, he's dead. So. Bam. No, Uncle Phil. I thought you were talking about Uncle Phil. No, no, I was talking about Bam McGuire. Okay. I, I said Uncle Phil. I meant Bam. Like just because yeah. Bam's going through some shit right now. So yeah, it's great. It's actually moved up some spots on my list since 2010. So, uh, Zach, it looks like yours is a repeat. Yeah, my number four is a repeat. It's Inception. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I think this was a little higher on my list when I made it 10 years ago. Um, but um, prior to Dunkirk, this would have been my – I would have said this is my favorite Christopher Nolan movie, and it's not – it wouldn't have been anything because of like, well, Dark Knight can't be the top one or whatever. It was just like, Dark Knight was amazing. Watching this, I was like, wow, you can do this original idea with that much fucking money? That gives me hope. Now I realize it was a false hope. But at the time, it seemed realistic. Um, and uh, and no, it just I liked the originality behind it. I appreciated the ingenuity Um there were it's a concept i never thought like in a thousand years you wouldn't have been able to tell i wouldn't have been able to figure out what the plot of a movie like this would be um it 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 activates a really well it's this is a super cast of a movie i really like joseph gordon levitt in it this is my introduction to tom hardy because i didn't see bronson at that point um and uh tom berenger's in it that's a lot of fun killian murphy kills it in this movie uh, Pete Postlewaite, he's lying around uh, in a coma slash dead. Um, and uh, Ellen Page is fantastic in it. I, I I I still get a kick out of it. This is one of my favorite uh, fitness cinemas that I did last year prior to everything going kerplooey in the world. Um, and uh, that was just a fun-ass time. So, like, yeah, I still get a lot out of it. It's just that Dunkirk has become my favorite Christopher Nolan movie. So that's where we're at. Uh, James, number four. Uh, yeah, number four. Uh, so again, like I said, everything here, uh, as as I often say, everything up here in the top five could could easily be a number one. Um, but uh, my number four is oh well, I'm not gonna say it. Here's the trailer for it. It's really good. This is a great movie. Troops assembled, sir! Good work, Sarge. All right, folks, let's go. We don't have much time. You heard him, man. Let's move some plastic. <laughs> folks, <laughs> looking good. Good work, fellas. Whoa, hey, impressive. Oh, I can hardly wait. <laughs> Other way, Rex. <laughs> hey, Slick, go long. Well, hurry up. Yes, dear. My arms are getting tired. Oh, great. I threw my back out. Hey, what do you think you're doing? I'm supervising. All right, keep it moving, keep it moving. Look out, Jesse! <laughs> Not too shabby, huh? Look at this! And you guys were worried. Didn't I tell you it looked great, huh? Oh, Buzz, where the heck have you been? Sorry, Woody. I've been up all night working on a little something. Hey, wow! Oh, that's quality craftsmanship. Look at that. Oh, it's nothing, wow. really. Your basic vacuum form polycarbonate with a high gloss sealer to bring out the shine. Hey! <laughs> At least ours lit up. Oh, oh, oh. Well, that's just great. Ah, no! Ah, come on, Woody. You do it. All right, fine. There you go. Now that's impressive. <laughs> yeah, I guess it does look pretty good. I wouldn't have done it any different myself. I saw that. 
Uh, so yeah, my number four is Toy Story three, um, which is incredible. I mean, it, it, like you just like I said before, you go get a movie that you think is perfect, like How to Train Your Dragon, and then this comes out, and you're like, holy shit! Like the bar just always gets higher. Um, the 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 story that I alluded to before and that I've told before on the show is um, I saw this in Cincinnati with two of my cousins who at the time were like seven and nine, eight and 10, something like that. So I'm sitting between these two kids and, you know, you watch through the whole adventure and the whole gang almost dies and the whole thing is fantastic. Um, and then the end happens and you meet Bonnie and you have this whole cathartic scene and this whole goodbye at the end and i i don't know exactly how long it is i think that scene where she he plays with bonnie is about three hours long because that's how long i remember like just openly weeping in the theater was because it's it is excruciating and beautiful and heartwarming and sad and it's it's just unbelievably good um yeah, it's hard not to love this movie. So uh, I'm, I know other people will talk about it later. So um, that's just, yeah, Toy Story 3. It's, it's incredible. So that's my number four. Henry, number four. My number four is pretentious and not in English. So we're just going to blow through this one. sabemos lo que sufren los muertos que se van con deudas. Yo no me voy a morir, vea. No. So yeah, my number four is called Beautiful. Uh, it's a, a Inaritu film, and much like many Inaritu films, uh, it is a film that is meant to be experienced as painfully as possible. Uh, and so, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I don't recommend it to anyone unless you like other Inaritu films. But uh, yeah, the uh, How I Done was nominated for Best Actor, if I, if I remember correctly. Uh, and uh, it's just about like his descent into decay. And uh, yeah, I, it's, it's a great film. And it's what I, I personally think it's Holly Redden's best performance, but 
uh, yeah, it's also uh, non-English and pretentious. So anyway, my number four is beautiful. That's a film, Henry, that I've grown to love more over time as my favorite Inuratu film. Because, like, if you had asked me three years ago, it would have been Birdman. But this movie's really fucking good. Anyway, that's that. Uh, Corinne, your number three is a repeat. Yeah, my first repeat of the list is How to Train Your Dragon. Thanks, James. That's a great movie. I hate my animated stuff. I hate it. (laughs) No, it's a great movie. Um... I just love the friendship that builds between Toothless and Hiccup. There's so many scenes of this movie that I go back to over and over again. When he frees Toothless, um, when they first become friends, when they go flying for the first time, uh, the the training montage. It's such a beautiful movie. And I, I know like something that, is just starting to get the hype that it deserves is the fil- or the uh, the score of the movie. This soundtrack is amazing. Um, the different themes that come up for all of the characters, um, just hearing Hiccup's theme, I was re-watching clips last night and just re-listening to Hiccup's theme, I got like a tear in my eye because <laughs> I'm like, ah, it's just so such a great and powerful and emotional movie. Um, this is kind of... Uh, I mean, we're going to get into more uh, more amazing uh, animated movies later, but this is a real standard bearer for, like, I don't know, just, just animation in general and, and Pixar. Like, between Kung Fu Panda and this, I think, like, this is among the best of the CG animated movies that Pixar, or, I mean, sorry, DreamWorks has ever done. And I just... I love this movie a lot. It means a lot to me. So, Agreed. How to Train Your Dragon. Oh, one more thing I want to mention is, um, so one of the things I don't appreciate about Tangled is how they turn the horse into a dog, and that's like a trope in animation. Is like take any, you know, any animal that isn't a dog, and then just make it act like a dog for the movie if it has to be kind of anthropomorphized. Um, but with Toothless and the other dragons, they make them more cat-like. Um, that they like to chase around the shiny light. They have like their own version of catnip. Uh, they they they're kind of standoffish at first, but the, they get accustomed to you and they become friendlier. And so I appreciate the fact that they just didn't just make the dragons into dogs. They they're kind of their own thing, but they do kind of morph them uh, cat personalities. So they made them into Stitch. I guess a little bit, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, How to Train Your Dragon, number three. It's a good one. Yeah, my number three is not a repeat. Mine is a remake that is, I think, leaps and bounds better than the other one. Some people don't like it um, because of it. Other people like the original. But I think this one's better. I think the performances are better, and I think it's better shot. Uh, This is my number three film. As some of you may have heard, there was an incident last night. One of your recent graduates here was killed. In the meantime, we need you all to be on the lookout for any suspicious activity. You guys just moved in, huh? How do you know? I live next door to you. What happened there? Some kids from school? I'll help you. But you're a girl. 
I'm a lot stronger than you think I am. Can you hear me through the wall? Only sometimes. number three film is let me in it's a remake of a swedish film called let the right one in mm-hmm. uh i prefer this version i think it's better made i think performances are better and it's also a story about being alone and what that means um, richard jenkins is amazing in this film um yeah it's it's dark but it also has a message about friendship and i think matt reeves is one of the directors that is really great that Maybe he's not on everybody's radar, but maybe with the Batman coming out, he will be. Um, he's very in tune with the material in this one. Yeah, no, it's... I mean, I'm not saying that the other version's not good. I just prefer this one. And not because it's a foreign film, but it's because I think... Like I said, I think it's better shot, and I think the performances are a lot better. Hmm. Uh, the One of the ki- one of the kids that uh, Richard Jenkins drains is... Uh, <laughs> His name's Dean Satriano. He went to film school with me, and we and the one of the introductions we had to each other was going like, "Oh yeah, I was in Let Me In." I'm like, what? And he showed us his scene when it was like on it's either Netflix or something. He found that he pulled up the scene. He showed him like, "Oh my god, that is you!" Right on, good for you, man. So yeah, it's a dark and disturbing film as well. Yeah, this is one of those movies that like when they announced they were going to make it, I would agree with the fans of Let the Right One In that like remaking Let the Right One In is unnecessary. And then you watch Let Me In and you're like, oh, this is actually like really amazing and an improvement, Um, which is a weird thing to say, right? Because if you put yourself in the artist position of like, hey, I made this movie and yeah, somebody with more money went and and just polished it up and remade it. Like, that's a weird place to be. But with what we have, you look at the two movies, I would agree. Let, let me and I like more. Um, and partially because of that, that twist at the end that they leave out that, that I think distracts from the core of what, what the story is really about. Um, Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. You know, I love them both, but if I were going to sit down and watch one for Halloween, cause I wanted a good scare, I'm, I'm going to watch let me in. 
Yep. It's brutal. And good. Both are unrelenting in what they're trying to do. Yeah. Like that's the that's the benefit of it is that he didn't skimp on anything. Oh no, it's yeah. it's yeah, it's it, Because it would have been easy to soften that movie. Yeah, no, I'm glad they I mean yeah, I'm glad they did it. I mean, yeah. And and James is right. The twist in the Swedish version that's not in the American version, I think helps the American version make it a little more uh macabre. So that's me. Yeah, I do think the Swedish version does the pool scene a little bit better, but it's like that you couldn't improve it. Like you know, if he if he'd shot it exactly the same way, it would have been better. Uh, I think Brad disagrees with my assertion of this film. He was shaking his head while I was introducing it. He's like, "You fucking idiot! You yeah. guys can't see him on camera, but he's like, you. He's mouthing me. Fuck you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, Brad, your number three is a repeat. Yeah, my number three is Toy Story 3. And we think we've discussed a lot about why that movie's great. Um, you know, for a minute there, I thought they were going to kill those toys. <laughs> and I wouldn't have minded if they did. <laughs> but I'm glad they did because we got Toy Story 4. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. But I guess you'd always do, like, how did the toys become the toys? Also, because I think that's exactly how you could destroy Disney is by getting them sued to death by bringing everybody to a Toy Story 3 and then murdering all of the toys. Like, you just scarred every American child. Great. We already got the origin story. It was called Child's Play 1, 2, and 3. Uh, also, sitting here thinking about it, it's interesting that by 2010, um, you know, they're wrapping up the Toy Story franchise like when they've only had two other movies before that yeah like there's only two adventures where you know woody is andy's toy i guess mm-hmm. um and now there's two with uh bonnie's uh as their owner so um, i think the original intention was to just have them stick to the um like kind of those mini adventures that they started doing afterwards but then they found the story for toy story 4 and they were like yeah we gotta do this so so, but it's, it's interesting how epic the series has become while yeah. also having like really small adventures. So. Yeah. yeah, they they um they actually become more about the adults watching them than they are about the 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 kids, right? Like yeah. the the movie is more about the people making them than it is about Andy itself. Yeah, and and each film I think is a nice progression of the story. You know, the first one is oh, your toys are alive when you're gone. And then the second one, you know, deals with being left behind after you're a toy. And well, the first one's really like like being uh, obsolete and replaced. Yeah. Um, and like the jealousy, I guess yeah. that comes with that. Uh, yeah. And then the second one is being lost. Yeah. And, and then the third one is moving on. Yep. And and then the the is really moving on. <laughs> yeah. The fourth one is finding your place in the world when you think you've already have a place in the world. Oh, the the fourth the fourth one is about how you find a life after you've become an empty nester and your kids have gone to college, and that's true too. That's what that movie is <laughs> like. Yeah. You know, um, it's just yeah, they're they're incredible. They're just incredible. Yep. And Ned Beatty, and they're better and than Ned the Incredibles. <laughs> I was gonna I say agree. Ned Beatty is the scariest teddy bear you will ever hear or witness on cinema yep. screen. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Zach, number three. My number three is a film by two brothers about one woman's quest for revenge. Mr. Cogburn, in your four years as U.S. Marshal, how many men have you shot? Shot or killed. Let us restrict it to killed so that we may have a manageable figure. Who 
Cogburn. What do you want, girl? I'm looking for the man who killed my father. The man's name is Tom Cheney, and I need somebody to go after him. What's your name? My name is Maddie Ross. Are you some kind of law? I'm a Texas Ranger. I know Cheney. It is at least a two-man job taking him alive. Marshal Cogburn? Can we depart this afternoon? We? I'm going with you. Congratulations, you've graduated from Marauder to Wet Nurse. He's being followed. What do we do, Marshal? You missed your shot, Cogburn. Best let this go. I thought you were going to say the sun was in your eyes. That is to say, your eye. You got a lot of experience with bounty hunters, do you? That is a silly question. I am 14. You can run on for a long time. Time for you to go home. I don't like you. I will not go back, not without Cheney, dead or alive. Lady, gotta cut you down. Cheney, you here! Help me, Marshal! Now what, Cogburn? Them boys don't think about the wrath that's about to set down on it. And this gang a rough life. I do not regret shooting your father. I will kill this girl! Biggest mistake you ever made. Tell him that God's gonna cut you down. Help me! I couldn't do nothing for you, son. Uh, so yeah, um, James, d- d- since we're tag teaming, do you want to tackle it first? Yeah, uh, uh, sure, I'd be happy to. Um, so, um, this movie is incredible. It deserves to be my number one um, because it and and I could easily move them around, and I wouldn't even feel bad about it. Like I, I think that this is. Um, it's one of those movies very similar to actually Ryan's, right? Where it's a remake of something that, that a lot of people considered a classic um, that I think probably bothered some people. But this was one where when you said like, oh, the Coen brothers are going to make it. I was like, cool. It's going to be amazing. Um, but I certainly wouldn't have expected it to just be this damn good. Um, this is one of my favorite Coen brothers films. Um, I think that Jeff Bridges' performance is... I, it like just stays with you because it is so perfectly entertaining and real. Um, I, the whole sort of middle section where he is just drunk the whole time and you're just pissed at him because you wish he would actually do the right thing uh, makes his character so uh, like, like an, not an anti-hero, but just endearing in a weird way. Like you're kind of rooting for him to figure his shit out Um because he's missing what's around him. Um, Haley Steinfeld has never been this good since, um, but but is incredible in this movie. Um, uh, I I'm I know Henry, you're thinking about that that the 19 going on 54 movie that you really like. No, I just think she's awful in this movie. <laughs> Do you really? Oh my god, no! The scene where she negotiates with the guy over the horse—holy shit, is it good? Wait a minute, are well, we trading again? I just think yeah. that. I'm, I mean, I like her a lot more now, but when this one came out, I did not like her because she got all this praise for playing a character who doesn't emote. 
And so it's oh, like, yeah, I'm not going to do it. She absolutely emotes at you. Yeah, no, 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 come no, on. No, come no. On. no. Um, but I, as a revenge story, I think it's really good in that it actually walks that line between um, like you understand why she is angry, but you they they end up trying to keep her safe from from revenge itself. Um, I think the ending is fantastic. Uh, it, this this movie is just incredible. And and yeah, when at the end when he says the line, um, you want to jump out of your seat. You are so damn excited. Um, so yeah, I, I just think that this is great, and I want to go watch it right the hell now. Um, God, yeah, uh, Zach, talk about True Grit. So, um, you you covered a lot of it, but I will go into this is like, so I, I put a serious man on my number one last for two thousand nine last year. Um, this is to me like an accessible version of how to understand the stories that Cohen's tell the best. Tell the best. It's a it, there's a morality. Uh, to the film that I find uh, eternally fascinating is to take uh, a story that has popularity around John Wayne uh, and instead go back to Portis's material, steep it in revenge is a dish best served cold. There are consequences to your actions. This uh, motif that the Coens play in very well. And in this version of it, it's a much more somber and heartfelt approach to it, whereas usually the karma coming back around to the characters in a Coen Brothers movie is hilarious. And in her case, it's a snake bites her arm and she loses that arm. So, you know, like to me, like there's there's something very moving about this film that I think doesn't always come to mind when you think Coen's. Um, and I love that Rooster Cogburn in this film is somewhat an extension of uh, Lebowski in the sense that he is a lovable fuck up. Like he has to prove himself by the end. Yes, he's an accomplished marshal, but as evidenced by that middle section, he is a lovable fuck up. Like he is just not doing anything correctly whatsoever. Lebeef is technically smarter than Cogburn because he's actually focused on the goal. Cogburn takes his time. Um, so like, and you know, who else was gonna? Who else but Steven Spielberg was gonna go for the bat and say like, yeah, give the Coen Brothers as much money as they want to make a western of this scale. Nobody else was gonna do it. Um, and I think this is like a reward from getting No Country for Old Men and Oscar and stuff like that. And it's led to some great work with them in the western genre again with Buster Scruggs. So it's a lot of great things coming out of this movie. It was at number ten on my list when it came out. And now it's it's just a constant rewatch that it can't not be this high. I would also I would also want to point out that I think the movie is beautiful and that it's one where like Roger Deakins is doing amazing work that's not flashy in the way that it can be in some of his right like like I think Sicario is amazing and I think it looks amazing but there's definitely times where it calls attention to itself and True Grit is not that True Grit is. Uh, True Grit is beautiful in a scene where, you know, they're standing in the middle of the field and Rooster Cogburn is throwing cornbread into the, into the air and shooting it out of the air or failing to. And the shots of him in that field are just amazing. Um, it, it, it's yeah. Yeah. This movie is great. Like it, it's, it's the best film of the year, except for the other two. Yep. 
Henry, your number three is a repeat. Uh, yeah, my number three is Social Network, uh, which has been talked about. And I agree with everything that's been said. So, yeah. Yeah. Corinne, your number two is a repeat as well. Yeah, my number two is Toy Story 3. Hey, Corinne, that's my number two as well. Oh, yeah. sweet. We like tag team review. 2010 was a really big year for me personally. That summer uh, was a big summer for me personally. I was uh, I was part of a team. We worked with kids all summer, um, but we basically just like volunteered and we were traveling around and I was part of a four person team. And one of my teammates names was Kenny. And I remember we were in this one part of Wichita and the movie had just come out. And these girls uh, that we were working with were like giving him crap and they were calling him Ken and Ken doll. And he hated it. <laughs> um, and I didn't get to see the movie right when it first came out. Cause I was busy teaching. Um, but then I think I saw it like the weekend after or something. And uh, I remember sitting in the theater with my family and I was just, uh, I was in absolute tears over it. Uh, the fact that I had just recently gone to college myself, um, still was still in college. And, um, you know, I'm so I, ba- I felt like I was Andy in the movie that, you know, I have to give up all my toys now. And, oh, my gosh, seeing them almost get incinerated was uh, a little traumatizing. And that's probably one of the reasons I haven't revisited it that much, um, just because I don't want to sit through that scene where they almost die. Um I mean, it is a really sweet callback whenever the the aliens save them with the claw, but it's also just very scary. And and then of course the the scene at the very end where he gives up the toys and he plays he and Bonnie play with them uh, also just breaks my heart. So yeah, my number two is Toy Story three. Ryan, you have it at number two as well. Yeah, uh, I was a lot like James. This was a movie where I could feel like my crying coming on. Um, like you get that lump in your throat. I, I you know, I got it. Um, this is, sounds so. I don't know if it's pathetic, but I had the same feeling when I was watching Endgame, when um, when, when when Sam Wilson, you know, says on your left, mm-hmm. and then I could feel like the tears start rolling down, and uh, and th- and this. I I started welling up, but because Woody is my most favorite character in Toy Story, um, when Andy is making the decision if he should give Bonnie Woody, is just like I I I can feel it in my throat and I can feel it coming on and I go no no, and because I love Woody so much in the series, and the, the ending is just so magical. Even the the lead up to it when you find out about. Uh, uh, you know, the toys that are at the uh, daycare for a reason, mm-hmm. um, you know, thinking that they were left behind, but maybe they weren't. It's everything in the movie is just beautiful. And um, when you see this film, you don't think they need another one. But when you see Toy Story 4, you're glad there is another one. Because, again, like I said, Woody is the uh, you can't shake your head, Corinne. You haven't seen it. So you have no stake in this game. Um, oh, Oh, Corinne, you got to yeah. see it. Yeah, don't even get me started on it, James. It's like one of the things that drives me most crazy about Corinne. Um, but having said that, that's maybe too – just everything about this film just works for me. Mm-hmm. And like I, said, I love Woody. And uh, I mean I have his action figures. I made sure when 
Toy Story 3 came out, I got the really deluxe edition of Woody uh, where he um, talks um, because I, I love, you know, there's a snake in my boot. You're my favorite deputy. And it, I just I love Toy Story. And this is a great film. I, I hate to bang the Lotso drum again, but is Lotso the most diabolical Pixar villain? Because he's <laughs> about ready to let hit them burn in that fire. Maybe. Like, he has got a grudge. Yeah. I'm trying to think of another Pixar villain. He's one of the best. The old guy from Up was like straight up gonna murder a kid. That is true. <laughs> Humanity is the villain in Wall-E. <laughs> Lotso almost <laughs> murdered my childhood. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> but I would argue is that Lotso is the Thanos of toy of Pixar movies. In that, like, <laughs> yeah. he in that he is he an is incredible inevitable. villain, yeah. and you understand why. Exactly. Mm-hmm. What we're saying is that Toy Story three is Endgame. Yeah. Yeah. Pixar's Endgame. Right. Uh, yeah, that was my number two. Brad, your number two is a repeat as well? Yeah, my number two is a repeat. It's Tron Legacy. Um, I love the production design of this movie. Uh, I remember we went to San Diego Comic-Con in 2008 and went to the Race to Wish Mountain panel uh, <laughs> to watch The Rock in his uh, <laughs> a new trailer. And then they stopped the panel and said, everyone stick around. We're going to show you something cool and exclusive. <laughs> and they showed us the light cycle scene. Mm-hmm for Tron Legacy. I was like, cool, Tron, Tron's coming back. I haven't seen that movie in like 20 years, but <laughs> uh, whatever. This this looks really cool. Uh, yeah, and the update is amazing. The, the story is pretty weak, but uh, you know, you're distracted by flashy lights the whole time. And Olivia Wilde. And Olivia Wilde. Have we mentioned that yet? Yep. In skin tie leather. <laughs> yeah. um, Booksmart director, Olivia Wilde. Yeah, no, quite the artist. And I was really excited about where it was going to go next, but I don't think I think it's going to go and completely uh, start from zero uh, place next. So Tom Cruise stole Kaczynski away to do Top Gun. Too, <laughs> They're so. going to make it dark and gritty, <laughs> even darker. It's going to feature it's going to feature Jared Leto's Joker, um, but in a computer. Cool. Yep. Yo. Tron Legacy is my number two. Uh, Zach, your number two is not a repeat. No, it's not. Um, you know, this year has been hard on everybody. It's been especially hard on me because I've had a lot of things swept for me. But if I'm going down, I'm taking you all with me with a film I saw eight times in theaters. Hey, what's up? I'll leave you alone forever now. You know this one girl with hair like this? Yes, that's Ramona Flowers. She's out of your league. You know her? Tell me now. She just moved here. Got a job at Amazon. I have to order something really cool. Scott, are you waiting for the package you just ordered? Maybe. Scott Pilgrim? Hi, I was thinking about asking you out, but then I realized how stupid that would be. That's okay. You should just sign for this, all right? So do you want to go out sometime? I say yes, will you sign for your damn package? So, yeah, 8 o'clock? Come to this Battle of the Bands thing. You have a band. Yeah, we're terrible. I'm Ramona's first evil ex-boyfriend. What? Wait, we're fighting over Ramona? Didn't you get my email explaining the situation? I skimmed it. Mm Mm-mm. What was that all about? If we're gonna date, you may have to defeat my seven evil exes. So what you're saying is we are dating? I guess. Does that mean we can make out? Sure. 
Prepare to feel the wrath of the League of Evil Exes. Ramona dated twins. At the same time. If you want something bad, you have to fight for it. Step up your game, Scott. Combo. Break out the L word. Lesbian? The other L word. Lesbians? What are you doing? Getting a life. You want to fight me for her? Why on earth would you want to do that? Because I'm in love with her. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Maybe next time we don't date the girl with 11 evil ex-boyfriends. Seven. Oh, that's not that bad. No, for the record, oh, yeah. you're the I guess this is my... I'll just talk about it. This um... is my moment of glory. Um, no, um, yeah, I, I got teased for going to this movie as much as I did by some of my classmates. Fuck those people. Yeah, well, <laughs> to be fair, my friend and I reconnected not too long ago, and he told me, he asked me, do you remember the song I wrote about you seeing Scott Pilgrim six fucking times? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I do, and it was adorable. Um, I got to see this film a month before its release at San Diego Comic Con. Oh, brag much. Yeah, I, you know what? I fuck, you know why I will? Do you know why I will? Because me and my friend Matt, who both, we both went together to the con. We stayed out in the, uh, hot blazing San Diego sun in a line outside the Balboa theater for four hours just to see it early. Having nothing but a tiny bottle of Mountain Dew and a small baggie of popcorn given to us by the end of our journey. It was worth it. The Tron Legacy early. Cool. <laughs> Keep trying to win this one. It's not going to work. Um, and I just appreciated, like, Edgar Wright, obviously, you you hear about Shaun of the Dead, you latch onto it, Hot Fuzz blows you back even further. This film felt like a revelation, and when i seeing it a month ahead, I'm like, this movie's going to be fucking huge, like, Edgar Wright's going to get every job in the world, and then a month later, nobody fucking shows up. They instead go to a bunch of old farts in an action movie, like some bullshit like that. I know the name of it, and I'm not going to say it. But, so, it just impressed me, because I'm not a gamer person. I'm not, I'm a comic person, but only to a certain extent, as you guys know. So I was really appreciating and digging the craft and the way they're trying to subvert a rom-com in this nature. Um, I think this is a wonderful ensemble cast where there's not a uh, a, a, a bad person in the bunch. I think this is Michael Sarah's best performance in a movie simply because he's allowed to amplify his persona while also adding in the element of, like, Scott Pilgrim's not a good person at all whatsoever. Um, and he has to learn to be a better person by the end of the movie. Um, and just it, just the ingenuity, it's a very sweet earnest film with what it's doing um and it, it just it was a delight to revisit it this year for the retro review um I, I i still love it um it's not the edgar wright film i go back to the most um if when we do 2013 i'll i mean he's spoilers he's number one by that point but this film was high on my list of adoration stuff for a long time just just for the craft involved alone so so yeah scott pilgrim James. Uh, yeah, so it's also my number two. Um, this movie was 
such a pleasure to see in theaters. I, it was it's one of the few times where like a movie started and I was grinning from ear to ear the entire time um, because it, it's so nonstop and it's one that that when you return to you keep finding more stuff in that movie. Um, it's it's wicked smart and fun and the music is great and uh, yeah everything about it is just wonderful it is a hard sell for some people um like i I still don't think i've ever showed it to my wife just because it's like how i don't know how to set that movie up other than just to give it to you and see if you like it um (laughs) but for me just so pleasant and fun um and incredibly well made I, I mean, I don't think Edgar Wright's style has ever been so kinetic as it is here and just ruthless. And intricate. This movie's intricate with its details. Yeah. Um, and and in your face, in, a, in the way that like a Speed Racer movie wanted to be, but this time it works. Like, it just oh. is cool. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. It's incredible. And everybody should just go see it. And most of you probably won't actually get it or like it, but that doesn't matter. You should you should watch it. And you're wrong, but whatever. <laughs> but that's but that's only yeah. It's not because it's bad. It's just because you're out of the loop. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, my number two. Henry, uh, your number two is not a repeat. Uh, it is not. Uh, it happens to be a foreign film, which is why. Um, but uh, I will say that it's a foreign film that I think all of you would enjoy. And so, yeah. Mama. Mama. Ouverture du testament devant ses deux enfants. Jeanne, cette enveloppe est destinée à votre père. Retrouve-le. Et remets-lui cette enveloppe. Simon, cette enveloppe est destinée à votre frère. Retrouve-le et remets-lui cette enveloppe. Tu viens d'apprendre que ton père est vivant et que tu as un autre frère. Tu dois savoir, sinon ton esprit ne sera jamais en paix. Salut Simon, c'est moi. Je suis dans le village de maman puis j'aimerais ça que tu sois là. La fille de Noël Mawan, tu n'es pas la bienvenue ici. Retourne chez toi. Parfois, il vaut mieux peut-être ne pas tout savoir. C'est très inhabituel, mais ta mère était pas folle, Jeanne. So my number two film is uh, Incendies uh, by Denis Villeneuve, and it was his last uh, French-Canadian film before coming to America and starting making films in English. Uh, I'm, if I'm, I'm fairly certain it was nominated for a foreign film the year it came out. 
uh, and follows uh, uh, after her mother dies, uh, her two children are uh, told at the will reading that they have a that their father is still alive and that they have a uh, a brother they didn't know about. And it's about uh, predominantly the daughter trying to track down these people. Uh, and it's uh, it is a highly it is I, flat out it's my favorite film by Denis Villeneuve. Uh, and, and I think it's miles ahead of everything he's made. Um, and uh, it's the most it's the darkest film I think he's made. Uh, and yeah, it's just it's it's a super thrilling, super dramatic film that I highly, highly recommend to anyone who likes anything else that Denis Villeneuve has made. Uh, because it's it's absolutely incredible. Uh, it blew me away. If you're more if you're curious, you can read my review for this film on realnerdspodcast.com uh, under the art house asshole colon uh, Incendies review. So uh, yeah, my number two film is Incendies. I recently watched this, or not recently, but like a, a year or two ago, watched this for the first time because the nerds here praised Sicario a bunch, and then we saw Arrival, so there was like a Villanueva like swirling storm so i went back and finally caught incendies and it is fantastic uh blade runner 2049 anyone yeah <laughs> excuse me <laughs> uh corinne your number one has not been swept it looks like i know i'm honestly really surprised but um are you eh, are you i guess i could see it happening because i think i'm probably the only one who really likes this movie uh no i'm kidding <laughs> Well, let me just say, if you know what movies came out in 2010, and you know me, you know what my number one is. My husband is, um, well, he's required to speak publicly. I have received he should change jobs. And what of my husband with a king? My husband has seen everyone. Insert them into your mouth. He hasn't seen me. I can't cure your husband, but I need total trust. What was your earliest memory? I'm not here to discuss personal matters. Well, why are you here then? Because I bloody well stammer! Do you know any jokes? Timing isn't my strong suit. <laughs> Your methods are unorthodox and controversial. Up comes your royal highness. It's actually quite good fun. Yes. Art thou feared. It's your peculiar. I take that as a compliment. War with Germany will come. And we will need a king whom we can all stand behind. He's afraid of his own shadow. The nation believes that when I... I speak, I speak for them. But I can't speak. You could do it. You needn't be governed by fear. It'd be like mad King George the Stammer. Get up, you can't sit there. Get up! Why not? It's a chair. That, that is St. Edward's chair. People have that, carved their names. Listen to me! Listen to me! Why should I waste my time listening to you? Because I have a voice! Yes, you do. Your greatest test is yet to come. What's he saying? I don't know, but he seems to be saying it rather well. Your first wartime speech. Broadcast to the nation and the world. This great time of crisis. However this turns out, I don't know how to thank you. 
Bertie, you're the bravest man I know. I intend to be a very good queen. To a very great king. Forget everything else and just say it to me. So yeah, my number one, unsurprisingly, is the King's Speech. From the director of Cats. <laughs> there are a lot of things that we need to talk about with this film. Uh, yes, it was made by the Weinstein Company. Yes, Harvey Weinstein had his hands in a lot of the things that went into this movie. We don't need to talk about where Harvey Weinstein had his hands. I know, I know. Um, and yes, I definitely, when I rewatched it last night, I definitely booed when that Weinstein logo came up. But don't let one asshole ruin the beautiful film that hundreds of other non-problematic people made. Um, I know this film is, is very Oscar baity. Some of the writing gets a little on my nerves. However, this is a very important film about the importance of one person's voice, uh, the importance of speech, the importance of changing technology and how that shapes um, the role of government and the, the people who make up that government. Just last, like rewatching it last night, um, I forgot how big the radio is in that movie. And like the whole opening sequence is about, you know, the one, the, the uh, birdie who ends up becoming King George VI is preparing for the speech. And at the same time, you've got a radio announcer preparing to go on the radio. And the importance of the radio is a very like recurring theme throughout the movie and uh birdie's dad at one point says something like you know before all you had to do was look good to be king but now you're expected to give speeches and you're expected to address the nation you have to be calm and you have to be put together and everything and of course birdie who's played by colin firth so of course of course it had to be on my list um he you know he has a stutter and just that scene between him and Michael Gambon, who plays his dad, um, where he's tr he's practicing a speech that his dad just gave, and um, his dad like he's he's stuttering really badly, and his dad just keeps yelling at him, and you can tell like it's just making it worse. And the friendship that he forms with Jeffrey Rush's Lionel Logue, who does not get talked about often enough, like Colin Firth got the Oscar for this movie and I think he deserved it, but Jeffrey Rush's performance is not talked about enough. He he just disappears into this movie, into this role. And for someone like me, who's really only familiar with him in Pirates of the Caribbean, seeing Barbosa come in and he's like this put together, you know, very, uh, you know, given elocution lessons and everything. Like it's so different from his role in Pirates of the Caribbean. Helena Bonham Carter is also fantastic in this movie. The two girls that they get to play, Elizabeth and Margaret, are also really good. Um, they're not in it very much, but the just like the the just the small moments of like right after he becomes king and he goes and he sees his family and his daughters instead of coming to hug him, because he he like holds out his arms like he wants to hug them. And instead of running to him, they curtsy because they're like, oh, you know, you're the king now. We have to um, God, there's so many great scenes in this movie. Uh, another one that stands out in my mind is the, the, the when Birdie's talking about um, 
you know, that I don't know anything more about the ordinary man's life than he knows about mine and how he doesn't feel like he's a, a person. He feels like he's a figure, um, that he doesn't get to have a personal life the way that, you know, he can't just be birdie. He has to be like, you know, the Duke of York or the King, like he can't just be his own person, um, except in private. And oh, just that's why it's so important that he and Lionel are like, they're equals. They're, they don't go by their titles. They don't, you know, know your Royal Highness or none of that. They're just guys. They're just Lionel and Birdie. And oh my gosh, such a great movie. So, so much fun. It's a, uh, yeah, The King's Speech is a fantastic movie. Uh, again, I know it's Oscar Beatty, but that sequence where he reads the speech at the end is so well done and you really feel like he's a even though he just gave a speech so my number one is the king's speech cool uh i'll just say i really dislike that movie um i think tom hooper is a shitty director and if i want if i wanted uh, if i wanted more close-ups of uh, someone's face then i would watch john adams but to be fair it's his best film yeah yeah i mean yeah that movie—that's before good. he went crazy. I don't understand why he has to have so many Dutch angles and have to be so close to people. Because he's a bad filmmaker. But the movie is good. It is a—it is a well-written film. Uh, well, my number one is a repeat as well. Um, and it's a tag team review. It's a tag team review. <laughs> Wait a minute, you, me, you, me, three me, times. Me. Yeah, <laughs> sweet. Um, who else is on number one with us? Just you and me. Just you and me. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, three times you and I. Yes. Yeah. Uh, my number one is Scott Pilgrim versus the world as is mine because um, where this film isn't really zoomed in on people's faces and boring and Oscar Beatty, <laughs> this film has tons of energy is funny. Um, yeah. I, I love this movie. Yeah. It's one of the most dynamic. Um, like it's such a dense movie. There's so much going on at all times, um, you know, and it, there's a spotlight on like nerd culture. Um, I, I love seeing nods to like eighties video games. Yeah. Um, and the, the sound effects of, you know, just things that I've grown up listening to and like, Oh, the, Sonic's rings. Like I, yeah. I can pick that out of the background. Or when you're a total nerd and you get excited when the universal logo comes out in eight bit. Yeah. You know, like every frame of it is just well like planned out. I read an interview with Edgar Wright and, uh, Michael Sarah, where they're talking about the, in the 10th anniversary and I guess he scripted it so well when they would the, uh, the actors would say it, and it's like no say it this way and say it wait this long to say it and because he had it so well thought out and in his head very specific yeah very specific so he's like already had it edited is is really interesting yep very Hitchcock approach <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, yeah Zach uh, your number one as uh, a repeat as well. Yeah, uh, James, are we on the same wavelength here? So I just want to say this. I, I am going to choose to believe that this is a symptom of after years of exposure to people with better taste, we now know that Zach is growing up some, um, that his lists are getting better, um, and that that is the reason why so many of his films align with mine. Yes. It's almost as if, though, we're the best people virtually apart from each other in the room. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I need my backup, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah um, so uh, our, our number one is The Social Network, which is a repeat. 
Um, yeah, as I said, when Ryan talked about the social network uh, with his number five. At the right spot. No, no, absolutely <laughs> wrong. Because you pointed out that this movie continues to be relevant, which yeah, is why it is the best movie of this year. Um, not only that, though, um, I remember saying after this movie, well, after we got out of this movie, because we, we all went as a group, a bunch of film students wanting to see New Fincher. I walked out and I was like, that's funny, that's Millennial Citizen Kane right there. Because it basically is. This movie is not strictly factual about... Um, Zuckerberg, it's adapting. Um, way to jerk off that stand, Brad. Um, uh, not strictly adapting like uh, Zuckerberg point for point. It's a it's an impression of Zuckerberg based on the act- accidental billionaires, in a similar way to how Kane is an adaptation of William Randolph Hearst. So that was my allusion to it, and I still stand by that bec- because of the fact that. Much like that film, it's continued to stay relevant because it is about that accumulation of power and what it turns somebody into. This is a classic art structure that Sorkin and Fincher are working with, combined with the fact of how relevant it has become because of the fact that Zuckerberg is a fucking monster in real life as well as in the movie. Uh, and I... I, I defy anybody else to make a movie about Facebook as interesting as Fincher did. I defy anybody else to do it. Sorkin's part of it, but Fincher directs the hell out of this movie. I think this is one of the more... It's visually dynamic in a way that a movie about Facebook probably shouldn't be. Like, that rowing sequence is fucking fantastic. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's still a part of the movie. What was that? What was that? Oh, the rowing sequence is my least favorite part of the movie. But it's but again, it's one of those it's one of those things it's like, why is this in this movie? And then I hear that score by Reznor and Ross and I'm like, I don't care. I love this scene. It adds something to it. Um so yeah, um again, I'll wrap it up. Number one, social network. It's also kind of like a horror movie because it's very scary how much of this shit affects us on a daily basis. Anyway, number one. James, why do you like this movie? Yeah, so what I'll say is that for me, it, I, I, w- I come from the other side, which is that I care less about the Fincher of this and more about the Sorkin because there's nobody who who could take a movie that is essentially like just, you know, uh, like lawyer scenes of sitting around a table and and telling the story of something that happened and make that as engrossing as this is. Um, he also, no movie has ever actually like, just read you actually how software works mm-hmm. in an accurate way and had that be really interesting and understandable. Um, like I remember going to see this with some of my friends who were computer science majors um, and everybody kind of walking out and going like, holy shit, there was a part where like he explained actual code and what he actually did. And it was, I mean, it was basically ripped out of um, Zuckerberg's blog. Um, but still, you know, all, so much of this movie is about stuff that's actually really boring, but the film itself uh, is written in such a way that it becomes really interesting. Yeah. Social Network, though, is a is really more about us as a culture and where we were in 2010 and how social media was was beginning to affect us. Like the Zuckerberg of it as a villain, I think, is less is is the interesting part, but less what Sorkin is really saying. Um, and it's why I said this, I think, offline earlier, um, 
why I am a huge proponent of them making a sequel to this film, which is insane because that would be like making a sequel to Lincoln or like making us like, how do you make a sequel like, or to Moneyball? Like, how do you make a sequel to a movie like this? But in this case, Susan Kane. yeah, exactly. Like it, it sounds insane, but unfortunately social network as a film no longer is actually talking about the most fascinating part of the the facebook story and so i think it's we actually kind of need that that second version or and it may need 20 years before we do because the story's not over like we what we actually may need is the the steve jobs film uh to sort of wrap things up down the line um yeah you know like social network plays far more into you know the silicon valley of the aughts culture and what that looked like and what it meant and what it did to people and what it still does to people um and that is a very different story than um you know corinne i was going to make a joke because corinne introduced her film talking about you know how technology can can change and play a part in politics and the way that a government is run and now you look at facebook and you go holy shit like this is a completely different outcome than any of us really thought when we went and saw this film, right? You kind of thought at the time, this story is over and now we just have this dumb thing that pings me when somebody takes a picture of their toilet. Like it, it, it we thought it was done and that that was as bad it was, as it was going to get. And now there is this far more fascinating story to tell. So um, yeah, that that's the reason why I edged it out above Scott Pilgrim was I, I think this one is actually even more important now than it was when it came out. Um, and I also, it's maybe the most rewatched film of the year for me um, because the dialogue and the way that film is written is so good that it's like good music. Like I've watched that movie so many times because I just like putting it on and listening to the rhythm. Um, so anyway, um, with that said, go I'm going to go watch Chicago seven. You're going to go through your whole life with people think, thinking people think you're a nerd. And it won't be because they won't hate you because of that. They'll hate you because you're an asshole. God. Ah, and it, and, and yes, I know that scene never happened, but dear God, is that scene true? Yeah. Right? Doesn't matter if it's factual on that particular front. Yeah. And yes, I know that the last scene didn't happen, but that scene is a, true representation of what Sorkin is trying to say about us as a culture at the end of the film. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's great. He succumbed to his own monster. Yep. That's my number one. All right. Leaves Henry. All right. Uh, I will say you do not need to play the trailer because there are none of us can see it. Um, but uh, my number 10 film, if you know me, you can probably guess what my number ten, my number one film is, but uh, it is uh, this film. You got any like talents? Like hidden talents? Can you dance? You can tap dance? Can you? No. Here, I'll play a song and you dance. Okay. I can't really sing. I have to sing goofy in order to sing. Like I have to sing stupid. Okay? Okay. Oh, yeah. 
this rope and crush it until the petals fall. You always bring the kindest hearts, and with a hasty word, you can't. You're actually good. <laughs> so dance to this part. And if I were old, your heart last night, it's because I love you most Lord knows I love a good fucked up romance film. And uh, yeah, I like some a lot. This film's all about uh, a couple falling in love and then falling out of love. And uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's about it. I don't need to say anything. If you like those types of movies, this is great. And uh, yeah, it's my number one movie of the year is uh, Blue Valentine. There was nothing more depressing than me and two male friends going to this movie because we heard it was all artistic and it was getting all this praise and walking out with our with our fucking dick shriveled going like Jesus this was depressing this was cr they, like it's it's a downer of a movie the scene in the motel dude holy shit yep <laughs> oh god oh good movie though very good movie yeah yeah, yeah so if you're looking for a bad time dick. <laughs> <laughs> what else can I say it is depressing as shit the whole time I was watching the trailer I was imagining a SNL sketch where Ryan Gosling is like in a game show where he has to decide like which of his co-stars is Emma Stone, Michelle, uh, well, what's, what's Michelle, Williams. Michelle Williams or Carrie Mulligan. <laughs> All right. That's 2010, I guess. 2010. Like our, our number ones were kind of like a double cheeseburger. You got me and Henry are the buns. And then you had you two uh, patties there in the middle. The big sweaty meats in the middle. <laughs> yeah. So that's it for the retros this year. Yeah, for the retros, we did get uh, Twitter from at Lego Larry, which is part of. Uh, if you listen to our theme song, they were part of it, right? Yeah, the film explosion. Yeah. Uh, well, Lego Larry is friends with Bolonium, who yeah. did our theme song. Yeah. So Zach Bynes. Yep, Zach Bynes sent it to us. Uh, he, here's his top ten: A Team, Karen, um, Frozen, the Adam Green version, which is a really good movie. Um, Jackass 3D. Kick-Ass, The Last Exorcism, Legend of the Guardians, Machete, Piranha 3D, Scott Pilgrim, and Tron Legacy are his. Also, congratulations to Zach, because he and Richards uh, filmed the Adam and the Amazing Zombie Killer, which we've had on the show before, um, is now a trauma streaming movie. Yep, yes. So. And you will get to hear Zach Bynes on the first episode of Yesteryear talking a little bit about Adam, so that'll be fun. Uh, we had a Facebook post about... Yeah, two hours ago. Two hours ago. Uh, Anthony Cross says, Social Network, Scott Pilgrim, and Super. Which I thought Super was a 2011 movie, but... Uh, it's a limited one, so maybe... I was shocked it wasn't on your list, Brad, because in Letterboxd, it's 2010. But but maybe it maybe it didn't really release till 11 for us. It, I think I, it might have been a festival thing. Yeah, I know I definitely watched it in 11, so we'll probably see that one come back around. I've got uh, one from... 
Mr. Matt Willicks at Craving Brains. Um, he had no sequential order, but uh, Frozen, the Adam Green uh, ski lift movie, which is pretty fun. Um, the Wolfman remake, um, The Expendables, Hot Tub Time Machine, Kick-Ass, Let Me In, Machete, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, Tangled, and Toy Story 3. Nice. Um, Jane- did Jane bring one in? She did. Um, so, uh, here we go. Uh, 2010 film explosion from my mom. Uh, hey, nerds. Uh, yes, I'm still listening. Hope this finds you all. <laughs> hope this finds you all well and having fun recording this film explosion. I have I have a love hate relationship with film explosions. I love listening to the podcasts. They are my favorites. Uh, I love looking at the lists of movies for that year and being reminded of the ones that bring back good memories. I love being uh, I love being an encouragement to you all and uh, by being a participant. Uh, but I hate trying to pick the top ten and putting them in order. Uh, this time is no different, even though I started way early. Um, I'm still finishing at 11 p.m. on Friday night. She texted me this morning to make sure that I got it. Um, so here it goes. Number 10, Inception. Uh, sorry, James. Wish we had time to talk about it. Glad this uh, will be read at the end of the podcast because I fear I'm going to make some people mad. Uh, I would love to have this be my number one. Uh, this is a movie that I should love, but I, I don't. Um, Rich and I watched it a couple of weeks ago, and we were reminded why it's not, my, not our favorite. Uh, there's a lot of good, the acting, beautifully filmed, a great sci-fi concept, but they did not spend the time on how the science works. How do you hook someone up to a system, up to this system? Uh, and then the big climax took forever going from level to level, back and forth, around and around, left us thinking, what a shame, a disappointment. Um, I'll just take this moment to say my mom is wrong. Um, so uh, <laughs> I agree with her. I think that movie's really long. Uh, I, yeah, I can see that. And that I'm used to getting from her. But I don't want more time spent on like, okay, I push. If we, if we put trouble in the middle of this thing and push the button in the middle, then somehow we all go to sleep together. That's all I need. Uh, okay, number nine, Leap Year. Not sure why I love this movie so much. It's goofy, but I like the characters and the scenery is beautiful. Uh, number eight, Red. Uh, what can I say? It's fun. John Malkovich is my favorite. Um, if you told my mom 25 years ago that she would say the sentence, John Malkovich is my favorite, <laughs> I think she'd have a conniption. Um, You're just her favorite in the movie. Right. Oh, I know. Yeah. Um, this character is really weird and funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, so number seven, Night and Day. Uh, this movie is also just fun. Uh, great to see Tom Cruise in an action comedy. Yes, there are a few scenes that are silly, but I still love watching it. Number six, Iron Man also, 2. They, uh, oh. they set that very uh, first sequence in the airport is set in Wichita. Oh, okay. Not filmed there, but set there. <laughs> Weird. Yeah, not really wants to go to Wichita. Right. Nobody wants uh, to go also to Wichita. Also, their airport was like way nicer than ours was at the time. Oh, funny. Um, so number six is Iron Man 2. Not my favorite Iron Man movie, but still an Iron Man. Uh, don't care much for Mickey Rourke's character or his story. <laughs> <laughs> um, number five, The Karate Kid. 
I'm not usually a fan of remakes, but I love this one. So great to see Jackie Chan see. Uh, so great to see Jackie Chan, and he does a wonderful job with this character. Uh, yeah, this is one we didn't talk about. This is an underappreciated remake because I actually think it's really good. I just wish they'd call it the Kung Fu Kid. Like, yeah. why didn't they call it the Kung Fu Kid? Um, anyway, uh, uh, number four: How to Train Your Dragon. I uh, love this so much. The story is touching and funny. Toothless is amazing. Number three, The King's Speech. Love everything about this movie. Including, Woo! including the Dutch angles. It doesn't say that. <laughs> I knew it! <laughs> Number two, Toy Story 3. Uh, makes my heart happy remembering the experience of seeing this one. It is a well-told story of growing up and the hard choices to leave things behind. I agree with Corinne that it's a uh, perfect uh, closing to Andy's story, but sorry, Corinne, I agree with the guys. You really need to see four. Yeah, no. literally, I can take Ooh. a screenshot and send it to you. That's actually what she wrote. The the deadly blow shot by Carol Man. Uh, number one, Despicable Me. Just kidding. <laughs> just, no, just just. Woo! just Carol and I have great taste. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. It literally says, just kidding. Even though I really like uh, like this movie and I don't hate it like James, it did not make my top 10. I remember... <laughs> she, oh, said, she, she says, I remember seeing it... Uh, or I remember sitting next to him in the theater and thinking he wasn't feeling well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what's her real number one then? Her real number one is True Grit. Yep. Another remake on my list. Just watched it again, and it is so wonderful. Not surprising that Jeff Bridges was great, but Haley Steinfeld was amazing. Uh, So then uh, here at the end, uh, okay, so there you have it. Unfortunately, I didn't have room to put nude nuns with big guns on my list. (laughs) I'm curious to see who has it on theirs. Of course, there are several others that I enjoyed in 2010. I look forward to hearing about some that we should still see. Last minute entry, though. Winter's Bone. Just heard about it from James this afternoon, and we made it our Friday night movie. We just finished it. Really good, sad, heartbreaking. I need more time to think about this one. Uh, well, that's, uh, that's it until Film Explosion 2020. Hmm. That should be interesting. <laughs> Love you all. Carol. Yay. This is my favorite Carol letter because she's on her comedy A game today. <laughs> I'm like super, super impressed. This is my favorite Carol letter, hands down. <laughs> you have the King's Speech on there, so it's all good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, next work, next work, next week on Real Nerds. Uh, I think we're doing Borat. Borat sure. subsequent film, <laughs> yeah, or subsequent movie um, film. I think. Um, I can stream that while I'm away. So yeah, so yeah, I'll probably do Borat because I looked ahead and I don't think there's a new movie this week. There's also uh, that came out this week was Rebecca. Do you guys want? Yeah, to Rebecca, yeah. Rebecca. Cool. So we're gonna do Borat. No, <laughs> screw you, Ryan. It's gonna it's gonna be nice watching Borat. Hey, Ryan, uh, Rebecca's got Lily James in it. I'm intrigued. However. <laughs> Slight boner. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm starting to get a rise out of myself. <laughs> but but Ryan, Hitchcock didn't direct. Hitchcock didn't direct it. I know. I've I, I've been I've been reading the reviews. I know. Isn't it, it? I I I saw a tweet, and it was the best tweet I saw yesterday. Was 
isn't it interesting how the second Rebecca isn't as impressive as the first Rebecca? And then I just started applauding <laughs> like that over the Twitter. You couldn't see it, but I was doing it. Um, I, think, I, think, I think Borat's a little more timely. It is funny that after uh, an episode where we talked a lot about you know, remakes and whether or not some of them are necessary. Like I was kind of excited about this one and I'm definitely going to watch it, but I'm, I'm nervous. Yeah. I think it'll be a fun ride, but I don't think it's going to surpass anything. Yeah. Well, I think the problem is that the original Rebecca, if you just shot for shot, remade it wouldn't actually be that good today. Like there's something about the, the plot structure that doesn't fit for a normal audience. Like you give it a lot of free space when it's a movie that's 100 years old. And I also fucking did it already. Jesus Christ. There's also like nine more weeks left in the year, so... Yeah. We'll definitely have time. The best Rebecca is the one by the BBC with Charles Dance and Amelia Clark. All right, I gotta turn off Corinne's uh, sound here, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to you guys later. Yeah, uh, thanks everybody for listening and going on this journey with us. James, glad you're back on live. Henry, thanks for coming in from New York City. Start working on those 2020 lists. Yep. Uh, and Corinne, feel better. And everybody else, see you at the movies. Yeah. The Real Nerds Film Explosion theme song was written and performed by Bolonium. Check out Bolonium on iTunes or buy their new record, Snacktacular, from Needlejuice Records. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.